All right, it's Friday night. Welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. Share this out, share this out, share this out. Okay, today, right, we're going to be doing the Law of One. Let me turn that off so you can see me here. There I am holding the microphone. Don't have it hooked up to the boom because uh, I still haven't hammered out that uh, problem that I have with uh, the audio. <clears throat> Uh, because this bass unit is so old, I don't have an internal microphone. So for me to play and include sound from a video that's not a file that I have already downloaded, I have to play it through the speaker. So I take speakers down off the top of my desk and lay them on the desk. And then I put the microphone in between the speakers and turn the sound up so you guys can hear raw. All right. So I'd have to change computers. I figured that out. Right. Being a tech guy, I figured that out. There's no internal microphone. So because of that, if I go to the internal speakers and share that sound, it just plays the, through the speaker inside the computer and there's no microphone to pick it up. Right. It's just like there's no Wi-Fi unless I plug something in. OK, so I backed up one more question. I know I put in the in the uh, um, description that it was four point six and we actually finished on four point seven. But I went back to four point five. You'll see why in a minute. So. Uh, for those of you, let me look in the chat here. I didn't, I don't have the chat on. There we go. So I can see that Denise is in the, in the audience. Wayne, welcome, right? Denise, welcome. Ariel, welcome. I, well, Ariel never gives permission to her Facebook. Always says Facebook user, but I know it's her by how she talks. <laughs> so, uh, so and, and then when she says Mike's in the shower, he'll be joining us soon. Then I know that it's Ariel because I know that she knows Mike because her and Mike are, in fact, a item. Right, <laughs> Julie, welcome. So, if you guys didn't catch my show yesterday, I can't say my show, Ariel's show yesterday. We had a really good show yesterday. Mike was on, I was on Ariel, of course, because she's the host, it's her show. Uh, and then we had the Reverend was on, and Jacob uh, Waters came on as well. Jacob, who has his own podcast, he came on after his podcast was done. He came on and he ended up sitting in his backyard chilling uh, with a fire pit going or a smoker that he had made. And uh, he was hanging out with us uh, for a couple hours there. So it was a really good, really good show. It looks like we're planning to do a show once a week. Ariel uh, just uh, talked to me today, or she asked me about it. When the Reverend brought that up, that we should do this every week. Mike, of course, was in. I was immediately in. So we're trying to hammer out a day. We're looking at maybe Thursday, which is good for me, because then I do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I don't really like to work on the weekends, uh, but I will on Saturday. But Sunday, I, I just draw the line. I take Sunday off. Uh, I don't even answer people uh, unless it's an emergency on, on my social media. Right. OK, so the law of one revisited, right, revised, revisited uh, because of of what was going on, what I have now gathered. And I wanted to start off with going back. Actually, I'm not going to play it. But going back to the beginning right here, we're only, you know, in session four. But I, but I thought about something um, that Ra had said, that they had said. And, and I went, oh, wow, why didn't I think about that and say that when, when they said it? Right. Ra says when, um, when they say we are Ra and Don says we have a Ra here on Earth. Are you any, you know, in, in history? And they said, yeah, we were, you know, we are Ra. We walked your planet. We built your pyramids. I didn't think about this. This is another one of those revelations that I that I was like, wait, what? Everyone thinks, and this is what the community was thinking, so I just assumed that too and didn't go past that. 
everyone thinks, well, okay, so the three pyramids at Giza. And that's not what Ra was stating. Ra was saying, we built your pyramids. Meaning, and I and I do believe every pyramid that is in the shape of, of that triangle shape that is in Egypt on the Giza Plateau, especially that one, because the other two weren't built by Ra, all around the entire planet. Every pyramid that is in that shape on this earth is what Ra was talking about when they said, we built your pyramids. Now, I exclude the step pyramids because of something Ra said not too long after that, talking about Ra blaming themselves for us being stuck, which is true. Okay. And then, but then Ra said, that there were people in South America, another group, two groups of individuals or, or mind, uh, hive mind complexes, an entire species, came here besides Raw, and they were working with people in Central, you know, Mexico, Central America, and South America, what we call that today. And those people, in fact, ascended. That would be the Incans, the Mayans, and the Aztecs. They all had step pyramids that had the same function, but they were slightly different from the triangle-shaped pyramid. So I don't believe that Ra made all of those worldwide. I believe there was other groups who we don't know what they called themselves. Right? And I have to correct myself on something that I, I've discovered. I've been saying the Council of Venus wrongfully it's not. It's the Council of Saturn. And I don't know where I got Venus involved in that. That came from someone else that said something and it caught in my brain since I've read it. And I just went, I was going ahead of us, which is what I normally do. That's why when I talk and people go, you're rambling. And then all of a sudden next week they go, that was exactly what you talked about last week. Because I wasn't in fact rambling. I just get ahead of myself because I do that a lot. And then I go, then I digress, right? So. I realized, which you guys will see, maybe today if we get to it, if not next week, that it is, in fact, the rings of Saturn. And I knew there was an eight-dimensional uh, reality there in the rings of Saturn itself. And there, there is a six-dimensional as well. And uh, a lot of people try to say that Ra was in the fourth dimension going to the fifth. That's wrong because they make the comment. And this is what you're going to hear either today or tomorrow or, you know, next week, if we get to it today. If not, it'll be next week. That Raw says when they win, past tense, they were in the sixth. But they didn't, but they haven't left and gone to the seventh. We know that. No, they might have because, or they're about to. But they haven't gone to the eighth yet because they're staying here. Once people go to the eighth density, they don't tend to communicate with us anymore. Because that's the bottom run of the next level of octaves. One through seven being the first level, and then eight through, we believe, 12 to 13. But we don't know 100%. We do know that science has discovered that there are at least 12 dimensions. Past that, they don't know, which would suggest that the 13th dimension is, in fact, zero point, which is the one. And there was also... Also, information that I gleaned, and, and now I'm, I'm not certain if it's coming up or not, but if it is, we'll, I'll cover it, and if it's not, I'll cover it anyway, but then I'll cover it again when we get there if it is. 
talking about raw, talking about the energy flow and us fixing ourselves and going and going uh, uh, up, but also going in and in energy there with the chakras and trying to get the Kundalini energy on a balance and us upright. I talked about that a little bit yesterday on Ariel's show about being upright, um, which, you know, you always see John. For those of you listening on the MP3 file, you can't see my hand pointing up, but John the Baptist and most of the frescoes painted uh, around the world. John always is depicted with one, usually the right hand, pointing straight up. And everybody just assumed, well, he's pointing at God. And um, I, well, I would wager that's part of it. But I think on another vibratory pattern, he's also trying to say be upright at zero point because that is very, very important. Um, to the balance of yourself uh, to then ascend. And Ra talks about that and has. Okay, so I'm not going to spend too much more time. We're already 10 minutes, right, as I lean back in my chair and almost disappear off the camera. Uh, uh, going on on my own, I'm going to go ahead and start going to full screen over here. Uh, and uh, pardon me, hold on. I apologize. I have phlegm, right? And um, as you can see on the screen right there, the, the video uh, that I was looking at uh, right there, that's Eckhart Tolle. If you guys want to uh, listen to somebody who makes me look like I'm half asleep, you should listen to Eckhart Tolle. You can see that on your screen right now. Uh, it's one of the people that I do listen to. And you'll hear uh, when you listen to him, you'll go, wow, man, this guy is is like, you know, uh, really awake. He, he um you know, I, I consider myself quite awake, and, and Edgard, uh, his wisdom, uh, I think, surpasses me. And he's humble, very. And, in fact, uh, I tend to get a, a little bit annoyed with the Dalai Lama and not see the Dalai Lama as, um, as, as large a wisdom as most people on the planet do. And Edgard has a, a great respect for the Dalai um, I don't try to take away from and try to compare myself to the Dali. It's just that uh, when when a little girl asked the Dalai Lama if she could or a girl could one day become the Dalai Lama, um, I didn't like his answer, which uh, he smiled and said, well, traditionally, it's a man. That's that's very egoic and very um, chauvinistic. And if he's as wise and awake as he said, he should have been open in his mind and his spirituality to that possibility. Now, I don't know because I haven't had a conversation with him. Is it possible that secretly the man who is the Dalai Lama thinks that but is afraid to say that for fear that everybody will oust him as the Dalai Lama because of tradition? If that's the case, then he's living in fear and he's not as wise. I would say to that girl, Everyone has the ability to become the Dalai Lama. And it's, it's strange to me as the Dalai that there hasn't been a female yet. And maybe we should look into that. Because that suggests that women are not as intelligent as men and not as spiritual as men and not as wise as men by saying, well, traditionally, to fall back on that, I felt was a cop out. And that really set not well within my psyche to see the, 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 the one person who is supposed to be the, the most wise, spiritually minded uh, person on the planet deny an entire, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, gender um, and, and to just kind of 
cast them aside with, well, traditionally it's a man, and then move on. That is that is wrong. That's absolutely wrong. So the Dalai Lama lost a lot of respect in my mind, and I'm sure a lot of other people around the world for making that statement. And if it's a statement that he made out of fear, um, then uh, again, you know, I was knighted by the Holy Roman Catholic scene and our creed, our uh, oath is to be upright and tell the truth, even if it leads to our death. So if I'm a lowly little teeny knight that belongs to the Holy Roman Catholic Church, and I know the difference of how to answer that question, you would think that somebody who's supposed to be uh, nigh on to God and be as wise and spiritual as the Christ would know the answer to that question is absolutely you could be. And why has there not been a female Dalai Lama? Probably because they don't allow that of gender in their ranks of who they choose from. Just like the Roman Catholic Church will never choose an American bishop or or cardinal, I should say, to be pope. Why? Because they're, they're far too liberal. That tells you the church is wrong. That should. Should tell you that the hierarchy in the church is sexist and wrong. Because if you're sexist in any way, male slanted, female slanted, or any political mind slanted, one way or the other, for any country, for any uh, political system, that means you're engaging in that religion, which is anti to your religion, if in fact you are uh, not supposed to be evil and in service to others. So I call bullshit on both those religions because of that. And I don't even want to get to comparative now. Because all of them are the same way. Any religion that is a monotheistic, male-dominated religion, which the Hebrew religion, the Muslim religion, all the big four are all bullshit because of that. Women are property, and they have been for thousands of years in those religions. Ergo, those religions are, in fact, wrong. Just for that one purpose alone. And that's why the Holy Roman Catholic Church sent people into the south of France and murdered two million people. And that's what the the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail was based on. And Dan Brown's What If Story, The Da Vinci Code, was based on that book and a couple other books, The Templar Knights, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, The Magdalene Chronicles, Mary and Her Knights, that whole, all four of those books I own and have read. And when Dan Brown wrote the Da Vinci Code, and I read it, I was like, he's read the books. The fact that he called Lee Teabing, that's an anagram for one of the writers of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, uh, his name. And then there's other characters uh, in the in the uh, entire thing whose names are anagrams for the other people who wrote the books. So he gave, he paid homage, or some people would say homage. He paid homage to the the books and writers, and he was honest about that when he did interviews. I didn't make this up. I only made up the story of what if from these books in history that told that story and said what if. Okay, so let's continue now that I've had my rant about comparative religions. Um, That's why you guys, if you guys ever hear me talk about religion, uh, quote-unquote, finger quotes in the air for those of you listening on the MP3 broadcast. 
Um, I think religion is corrupt, and it has been. It's been corrupt since the beginning. You can ignore me. You can uh, go to these churches, and you can ascend uh, without getting caught up in that uh, rhetoric or politic of the church. And that's what pisses off evil, is that they've corrupted the churches, but it still works. And it pisses people off, right? Yeah, happy birthday, Kathy. Right? I sent you a happy birthday on your on your page. Kathy's birthday, Kathy Graves' birthday today. She's 29 today. Um, and, and so happy birthday uh, to you. I hope you're having a, a birthday cake and, and doing a few things that, uh, you know, having a couple of um, meetings, a couple of, uh, of, of um, you know, safety meetings uh, before you light the candles. <laughs> <laughs> right, and if not, you have a couple of toddies for the body, or both, and then have some cake, <laughs> and ice cream, and barbecue, good stuff. And I hope everybody's serving you, and you're not doing anything. Like right now, you're listening to to me because you can, and nobody's bothering you because everyone else is taking care of you like a queen, because it is your day. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, uh, the law of one. Uh, question 4.5. So let me go into full screen over here on my uh, YouTube channel here, and then we'll go ahead and rock this out. And I, like I said, oh, oh let me, my, I didn't put that in full screen over here, did I? No, I still have the camera on. Let me go over here and put that in full screen so that it's easier for you guys to follow along by reading if you want, right? Okay, here we go. Going with the law of one. Question four. Or, or should say session four, question five. Question 4.5. Questioner, is the size of the pyramid a function of the effectiveness of the initiation? Answer, I am Ra. Each size pyramid has its own point of streaming in of intelligent infinity. Thus, a tiny pyramid that can be placed below a body or above a body will have specific and various effects depending upon the placement of the body in relationship to the entrance point of intelligent infinity. For the purposes of initiation, the size needed to be large enough to create the expression of towering size so that the entrance point of multidimensional intelligent infinity would completely pervade and fill the channel, the entire body being able to rest in this focused area. Furthermore, it was necessary for healing purposes that both channel and the one to be healed be able to rest within that focused point. Question 4.6. Questioner, is the large pyramid that gives us still usable for this purpose, or is it no longer functional? Answer, I am Ra. That, like many other pyramid structures, is like the pia piano out of tune. It, as this instrument would express, plays the tune but, oh, so poorly. The disharmony jangles the sensitive. Only the ghost of the streaming still remains due to the shifting of the streaming points, which is in turn due to the shifting electromagnetic field of your planet, due also to the discordant vibratory complexes of those who have used the initiatory and healing place for less compassionate purposes. Question 4.7. Questioner, would it be possible to build the pyramid and properly align it and use it today from the materials that we have available? Answer, I am Ra. It is quite possible for you to build the, the pyramid structure. The material used is not critical, merely the ratios of time-space complexes. However, the use of the structure for initiation and healing depends completely upon the inner disciplines of the channels attempting such work. Question 4.8. Questioner, 
My question then would be, are there individuals incarnate upon the planet today who would have the inner disciplines to, using your instructions, construct and initiate in a pyramid they build? Is this within the limits of what anyone on the planet today can do? Or is there no one available for this? Answer, I am Ra. There are people, as you call them, who are able to take this calling at this nexus. However, we wish to point out once again that the time of the pyramids, as you would call it, is past. It is indeed a timeless structure. However, the streamings from the universe were, at the time we are tempted to aid this planet, those which required a certain understanding of purity. This understanding has, as the streamings revolved and all things evolved, changed to a more enlightened view of purity. Thus, see, so I want to point out there uh, that, uh, you know, according to what Raj just said, even in 1984, or this was in 1981, uh, in 1981, when he said, uh, you know, should could we, is there people that could build the pyramids and get them working exactly the way that you did? And they said, uh, well, the pyramids are, uh, in fact, not needed anymore because when we came thousands and thousands of years ago, when they came, the the mass people, I talked about this last night on Ariel's show, the, the human resonance of the human race at that time, the human race was farther away from the light by by countless degrees than we are today and if you look at the 80s compared to now again there's a great big change so when you look at just the the really big leap that was made in the 60s around the world and then again in the 80s and then again on 2012 and 2015 and 2016 and since then on leaps and bounds uh you know uh, uh, quantumly right exponentially to use a mathematical term, the the human race is moving back towards the light. I talked about this last night on Ariel's show. So here Raw is saying that the pyramids are no longer needed because it, it, what we're doing without the pyramids, individually we can now do, and we are doing. And in 1981, there was a good population of the planet, but now... The population of the planet between 1981 and now is is six billion people more than were here then. Almost six billion more people now in 2022 than there was in 1981 on the face of the earth. Okay, and the 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 majority of the people here can do this. And in the 60s, just just in the 60s, right? You know, that's 40, uh, 60 years ago, right? 60 years ago, people needed psychedelic drugs to do that. No one was able to do that just through not many. I can't say no one, because even if you look back at 604 BCE, uh, you know, Lao Chi, uh, you know, they wrote his book, the Book of the Way, the the, the Tao Te Ching, and then uh, the Buddha at the same time between 601 and 605 or 606. BCE or the other way around, you know, 606 to, to, to 601 going from furthest to newest time wise, uh, the same the same thing was was written uh, in the same country in a different place. OK, so there was people that were doing this, but not on a mass scale. And now uh, we're, we're able to do all of this without the psychedelics, not saying and talked about that last night as well, not saying the psychedelics aren't something that should be, uh, you know, avoided. 
because that's that's uh, that's not a thing. It is still uh, a thing for people to experience by using these uh, psychedelics. But uh, when when we talk about that, we say don't ever do that with if you've never done it before, and don't ever do it with, with by yourself. Make sure that you have people there to that are not going to screw with you, that are going to take care of you, because uh, because there a lot of things happen to you, and you need people around you to help you because when you come back out of it, you don't know if this is real anymore. You think this is fake and where you were was real and it takes time for you to transition. And sometimes people freak out and other times people get violent, things like that. So you need to have a good group of people around you to help you to do this. Uh, unless you're a person that's done it many times, then you understand and you get it. And, uh, you know, you understand. Uh, and it doesn't bother you, and you can do make that transition. But the first time, you're gonna fucking trip, right? I haven't done ayahuasca or or, or DMT. Uh, I've I've smoked you know pot that was laced with stuff and some serious, seriously high THC pot to where I smoked my brain out so bad that I couldn't even listen to Raw's voice on this on these videos because it was freaking me the hell out because I was so far out of my body just from the thc uh being so high in my system that i was not able to deal with this reality and i did that to myself by myself but because i i'm a pothead from old when we never did any any uh marijuana that in fact the lower the thc the less we wanted it i don't want that crap that's not going to get me very high this is junk i'm not paying good dollars for this weed i want weed that's gonna so when i was growing up People write like LSD. <laughs> Denny says, yeah, I smoked weed that was laced with PCP and LSD and cocaine. Right. They called it death weed. That was back in the 80s. They called it death weed because some people would die from it because it would freak you out. So I was I literally got, uh, you know, it's basically was like a, a ayahuasca trip or a DMT trip, uh, you know, because of the, you know, prophylactically because of uh, or, or I should say uh, initiationally because of the LSD, the PCP and uh, the cocaine along with the thc uh and, and it was really high probably uh, 85 to 90 on the thc level of today and that you it's hard to find anything above 85 on the market to buy these days because it's so fucking strong we were looking at 110 120 back in the day and denise you're old enough i'm sure you remember it kathy you too and i, and I know your husband does because we've talked we've kind of talked about that right so i know you guys understand uh, how high the THC was back 30, 40 years ago, right? When we were all uh, kids or teenagers, we were going for the stuff that was so high. That's why they call it indica now, indica, in the couch, because you were so high, you just sat around going, ha, 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 ha. that's where the whole Beavis and Butthead thing comes into play. And that's why that was invented with them going, ha, 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 ha. because the truth was the two of them were supposed to be high out of their gourds at all times while you were watching that show you were supposed to realize that and the uh the other show too it was beavis and butthead and the other one i can't think of the other one now uh but there was another one where the two guys were the same way and they were it's just like uh, the the movie that keanu reeves was in right with the uh, uh, they were supposed to be high the whole time but they didn't show you them smoking pot and i always tell everybody if you're watching pirates of the caribbean assume he's smoking peyote and he's drunk Right, Captain Jack Sparrow is hammered and high the entire th uh, way through the movie. If you do that, you get him. You get every part of him, the way he moves, the way he acts, the way he thinks, and the shit that he does, the shit that he says. If you assume that he is drunk 24 hours a day and he's actually high too, 
then you actually get, and I've told people, if you don't and you just go, he's weird, why does he run the way he runs? Why does he act like that? How come he's all weird? And then they try to explain it, you know, because the sun baked his brain. No, no, no. That man is is high and drunk all the time. It's just like the Big Lebowski. If you watch the Big Lebowski and assume that man is hammered the entire show and high, because he does, they in that movie, they show you, they show him smoking pot. If you assume that he is high and he is drunk, all the time, you get the dude, 100%. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and start this and continue here. So I wanted to point that out, that the pyramids no longer have use because he had asked them, should we turn them back on? However, when he said there are people that have, I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, and I just mentioned it last week, um, that there is a, a Russian gentleman uh, who is, in fact, going around the world and building pyramids uh, and, and using them, building them as buildings where people go in, one of which was a library, another one is a school, things like that, and another one's a hospital. And he's done this in Russia, in different places in Russia, and he's done it, and he's doing it in other places in the world, too. And his name is Valery Yuvanov. You can look him up. Okay, I'm going to continue. There are those among your people at this time whose purity is already one with intelligent infinity. Without the use of structures, he, the patient, can gain healing. May we further speak to some specific point? Question 4.9. Questioner, is it possible for you to instruct in these healing techniques if we could make available an individual who had the native ability? Answer, I am Ra. It is possible. We must add that many systems of teach learning the healing patient nexus are proper given various mind, body, spirit complexes. We ask your imagination to consider the relative simplicity of the mind in the earlier cycle and the less distorted, but often overly complex, views and thought spirit processes of the same mind, body, spirit complexes after many incarnations. We also ask your... Yeah, and I want to point out, Julie said Jay and Silent Bob and uh, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted was the other one I was talking about with the movies, but Jay and Silent Bob... And Jay and Silent Bob were blatant. Those guys were, were standing around selling crack. or Not crack, but they were selling pot. So they were dope dealers. <laughs> and then half the time they were either trying to score weed or they're trying to sell it. When they were hanging out in front of the, I think they were hanging out in front of the Circle K. I know that was where, where uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Bill and Ted were always hanging out in front of the Circle K. And they were doing the same thing. Why were they hanging out in front of the Circle K? I used to hang out in front of a stop and go and a 7-Eleven. The reason I did that is because I was either trying to score pot or I was selling it. And then we had this place called The Great Entertainer, which was a, a pool hall. Uh, and a bar and and had uh, you know some video games and we used to hang out in that and in front of that and sell dope out of there when I was a kid or we would go there if we couldn't find any and that's where we, they'd have it somebody there would have it so so yeah so those guys were that was blatant back in the day and then you know it was okay in the 70s and the 80s to talk about that look at look at Cheech and Chong right those guys were selling dope that's what they did for a living on the movies as soon as it became passe those guys' career had to change because no one wanted to watch the movies anymore where they weren't doing dope, but they were able to incorporate snort and cocaine in the third movie. But after that, drugs became passe and everybody, you know, because Reagan's wife was telling everybody, you know, here's your brain and here's your brain on drugs. Get the picture and just say no. Right. Yeah. Pool hall. Right. Denise says, yeah, pool hall. Right. I know she's laughing. I mean, that's true. Right. Yeah. Pool hall. Right. Yeah. Uh, in you know, billiards, you know, billiards back down south meant meant hookers. Uh, billiards was uh, was uh, uh, paying for a hooker. Uh, in fact, they, impo- they put that in that movie, the uh, the um, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. 
and uh, Gene Hackman. And Gene Hackman was talking about that because he was always in the the bar, which was the whorehouses upstairs, the whorehouse. And so he was always talking about billiards. Oh, they're not here for the billiards. That meant the um, screwing. I meant, you know, hooker. So, yeah, billiards, right? Yeah, a pool hall. That's why Denise is laughing because she gets that when I said that. It, it was a pool hall. And she's laughing because whatever you wanted, it was like Leo gets, right? Whatever you want, Leo gets. I actually uh, uh, have a, a, a website that I used to have up. It was called Leo's Locker. Whatever you need to find Leo, Leo, it's in Leo's Locker. Right, because I always said that too. I always, I, I tried to get Leo Getz, but somebody had already stole that. Uh, you know, because Leo is my name, right? So Leo Getz, whatever you want, Leo Getz. That comes from uh, uh, um, that movie with uh, uh, Mel Gibson, uh, Lethal Weapon. Uh, Lethal Weapon Two is a fact. I think is when though he was in that, right? When it was Joe Pesci as Leo Getz. It was badass. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and continue here. But that's funny, Denise. Denise got me when I said it was a pool hall. It is a pool. It was actually a bad billiard tables in there, right? And no joke, people were in there shooting pool, but everybody who was in there was either a hooker or a dope dealer. <laughs> no joke. All right, here we go. Imagination to conceive of those who have chosen the distortion of service and have removed their mind, body, spirit complexes from one dimension to another thus bringing with them in sometimes totally latent form many skills and understandings which more closely match the distortions of the healing patient processes. Question 4.10 Questioner, I would very much like to continue investigation into the possibility of this healing process, but I'm a little lost as to where to begin. Can you tell me what my first step would be? Answer, I am Ra. I cannot tell you what to ask. I may suggest that you consider the somewhat complex information just given and thus discover several avenues of inquiry. There is one, health, as you call it in your polarized environment, but there are several significantly various distortions of types of mind, body, spirit complexes. Each type must pursue its own learned teaching in this area. Okay, so I wanted to... Um... I wanted to address some of you guys' comments. Jen said, my DNA update, I have 2% Egyptian. That's kind of badass. I don't have any uh, that, I, that they found when I did my uh, ancestry DNA. Uh, so that's kind of cool that you. I found that I have you know, 3 to 5% uh, native. I always thought that it was only 2% until I actually stumbled across the, the thing not too long ago on my phone. And I was like, wait, this actually has me at 3 to 5%, they're saying, on the upper scale. So they're saying 5% Native American. Uh, and I was like, what? Wow. I always told everybody I was 2% native. I'm actually 5% native and 3% what they call Greek Roman. <laughs> right. But everything else is Irish, English, and, um, and Scandinavian. Uh, right. So I'm all Viking otherwise. And, and, uh, Ariel said, yeah, Mike has introduced me to Bill and Ted on our next date night. Uh, you, you haven't seen Bill and Ted. You'll laugh your ass off, even if you're not high or drunk, but, uh, if you if you get drunk or high or both, uh, when you watch those movies, you'll you'll get them better because they're they're high the whole time. They just don't do it anymore because that was when the censors said you can't show them being high. But they're supposed to be two stoner rocker kids in high school in San Dimas, California, San Dimas High School, right? And how do I know all that shit? Right? There goes back to my memory. She asked me that question last night, right? So yeah, twenty three percent native. Wow, right? And so you can't drink whiskey like me, right? And I, and I would also wager you're super, super spiritual because of that. I'm only 5%, and I can't drink sour mash whiskey. I can't drink American uh, 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 whiskey at all. Uh, well, I can, 
but I just get real violent and I want to rape and pillage and I want to burn everybody's everything down. And I want to pick a fight with everybody and kill everyone. Um, I, the, the, the native in me just is, is the exact way natives were. Uh, and I discovered that I didn't think it beforehand. You know, some people say, well, maybe you just thought that about yourself. No, no, no. I discovered that every time I drank, uh, bourbon, you know, whiskey, American, uh, rot gut, uh, sour mash, which I love, <laughs> I got really super violent. Right. And, and it was like in the movie, I tell people it was akin to, uh, from dusk till dawn when, uh, George Clooney's character went to the bar in, in, uh, Mexico when they made it to Mexico and he walked in the bar and, uh, one of them palookas at the door, put his hands on him and grabbed him by his shoulder. And he, he just looked at the guy and you could tell he was annoyed with the guy. And he walked in and he sat down and as the night was going, he was doing shots of whiskey. And every time he did a shot, he was getting angrier and angrier. And the priest, Harvey Keitel was the priest, asked him why he was so mad. And he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to drink this bottle. And when I'm done with this bottle, he says, that, that fucking palooka put his hands on me. So I'm going to drink this bottle. And when I'm done with it, I'm going to bash it over his melon fucking head. That was what he said. Right? Yeah. See, Jen's the same way. That's the native in us that we, we get violent. She says, I'm, I'll look, I look for fights on whiskey. Me too. I don't care who it is. I find a fight. If there's not one, I start one. And that, so I can't drink whiskey in public. Uh, and, I, and I have a hard time doing it around my family because then I treat them all like shit. So I don't drink whiskey anymore. I quit doing that. And I tell everybody it's off limits. Um, I was dating a girl who uh, was the same way with Jägermeister. Uh, which I could drink all night. Love it, too. Most people can't stand it. I love it because it tastes like black licorice. Um, I used to put it in the freezer and sit around with my with my buddy, my sister's boyfriend, Lefty. We called him Left Wheel. Um, and uh, it was, if you guys have, know the Traveling Wilburys, everybody had a name, Lefty, Righty, and all that different names, nicknames for the band that they put together. And he was he loved the Traveling Wilburys. He's deceased now. Uh, God rest him. But we used to sit around. He and I would sit around and put Jägermeister in the freezer. We kept it in the freezer. So when we did shots, we'd pull it out and we would do a shot and we would talk for a while and we'd put it back in the freezer. And so it, did, it stayed at that temperature at 30, you know, 38 degrees. Uh, I love that stuff. But she would get violent like, like uh, natives do on whiskey and start picking fights. So whenever we would go out to bars, because I used to do that where I escorted women, I think I talked about that on my show myself and, and uh, my buddy and my roommate. We used to take a, a group of 10, 15, 20 women, however many wanted to party. And we get paid to be their bodyguards and make sure they all got home and didn't get raped and didn't end up doing something stupid by having sex with somebody that they didn't want or whatever. Uh, or someone else had you know sex with them and they you know and when they were drunk and didn't know it any of that stuff and we got them all back home so uh, that's what we were paid to do. Well, my girlfriend at the time loved to go with us and she would drink. She loved Jägermeister and she was six foot one, six foot two. She was taller than me. I'm six one. She was six two, blonde hair, blue eyed, uh, uh, half uh, uh, Irish, half Viking uh, woman who was a volleyball player. So she was super, you know, super tall, super strong, had a fist bigger than mine. Not kidding you. And uh, she also knew martial arts. So she could she could knock dudes unconscious with one blow. And so she would get into it and people would look at her and they would be trying to pick up on her and she would haul off and whack somebody. Uh, and she would do shit like that. Like she'd walk up. If you had a beer in your hand and it was sitting on the table and it was full or half full or anywhere above half full, she'd walk over with her beer and smack your beer bottle on the top, which would cause your beer to explode like a, like a volcano all over the table. It could only happen with bottles, not cans. 
But she would do that and laugh. I mean, that was the kind of person she was when she got that kind of shit in her. So we had to tell the bartender after she has two shots to tell her that she was that we're in fact out uh, for the rest of the night and have her drink anything but Jägermeister. And don't let her see you serving it to anyone else. <laughs> right? And that was the only way we could keep her from getting into a fight. We'd have to fight our way out of these bars when we're supposed to be there. Uh, and the, and the, the bouncers, the owner, and everybody knew what we were doing. So if we got into a fight, they got pissed off. Because we would spend $1,000 a night minimum uh, with the people that were there. And we, you know, they, they would spend, not us, not me, because I got paid like $1,000 a night. They would spend another $1,000 to have fun. Okay, so let's go back and, and continue here. Question 4.11. Questioner, would you say, then, that the first step would be to find an individual with ability brought with him into this incarnation? Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. Question 4.12. Questioner. Once I have selected an individual to perform the healing, it would be helpful to receive instruction from you. Is this possible? Answer, I am Ra. This is possible given the distortions of vibratory sound complexes. Question 4.13. Questioner, I'm assuming, then, that the selected individual would be one who was very much in harmony with the law of one. Even though he may not have any intellectual understanding of it, he should be living the law of one. Answer, I am Ra. This is both correct and incorrect. The first case, that being correctness, would apply to one such as the questioner itself who has the distortions towards healing, as you call it. The incorrectness which shall be observed is the healing of those whose activities in your space-time illusion do not reflect the law of one, but whose ability has found its pathway to intelligent infinity regardless of the plane of existence from which this distortion is found. See, so that that would suggest, right, that people like now, and this is going on to the next one here, I'm going to pause it before it starts talking, but people now uh, have these abilities, oh, see, there's a commercial here, good thing I, I pulled away so you guys don't have to listen to it, and in fact, it won't let me stop it, and, and oh, yes, it will. I hate when they do that, when they monetize things, and, and that happens when, that's why when I would do it, uh, I would uh, cut those out and play the video. So nowadays, you know, since then, since way back when they were here, because they were here thousands of years ago, thousands and thousands of years ago, um, I mean, the scientists will now admit that the pyramids are at least 12,000 years old, but I believe that they're even older than that, and most people do. In fact, even Robert Schock, who is the utmost... Uh, you know, on the fringe as far as, uh, uh, you know, this, this scientific uh, uh, ideology of, of ancient aliens and, uh, and all the people who are uh, spiritual and living the law of one, uh, both sides of that coin, um, see that as, as a truism. Same thing with the, the, with the Sphinx. Uh, you know, they say the Sphinx is probably 12,000 years old. And those of us uh, who understand or get uh, the reality of the world, we know that the Sphinx is more like 127,000 years old, and maybe as far back as 150,000 years old, just the Sphinx. And uh, the pyramid that Giza, the big one, is probably closer to, um, you know, uh, 50 to 75,000 years. Uh, and I think Ross says it was, it was right around there. Okay, so count that, and then now come forward, uh, and people who just are Reiki master teachers like myself, 
uh, are are uh, capable of far more healing than uh, the pyramid itself was was trying to show at the time, because the, you, you have to realize that the people were so far away from the light back then that uh, the their knowledge of infinity, infinite wisdom, infinite healing, uh, infinite ability, or even the one uh, was so small they had never even heard of it. In fact, they rejected after uh, they after Ra came and built the pyramid and Akhenaten took the name Akhenaten, uh, uh, it changed their religion to the one true God, to the law of one. Um, they got rid of him as soon as they could and they changed the religion back to the old gods and the you know, the Egyptians are like the Native Americans. They have a god for everything. God of the tree, god of the, the, the turtle, god of the ants, god of the roots, god of that plant, god of this plant, god of that dog, god of everything is a god. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever you see has a god that is in charge of it. The Egyptians are the same way. If you read the Book of the Dead, the entire Book of the Dead is just the incantation that you need to know to either write down to cast the spells or to say them so that you uh, don't go to what they would call hell. And it's literally you talk to this God and say that, and you ask this God to tell that God this, and this God says that to this God, and then you have to say this to those gods, these ten gods, and then those ten gods, and then these ten gods, and you have to pay a tithing to that God and to pay another tithing to this God, and you have to say the right words and know this God's name and know that God name. And there's like 187 gods that you need to appease so that you don't uh, end up uh, going to what they would call hell. Uh, and all of them are in the underworld. because And, and see now that, it, what you, we see as the underworld is something that they have taught us in, uh, you know, Western Judeo uh, religion, Judeo-Christian religion, Muslim religion, all the religions that have been corrupted, that the that that which is the underworld is in fact evil and it's the opposite of what is in the heavens and that is in fact the a lie that's one of the lies they teach to keep you from uh from understanding spirituality that the, and and it wasn't until carl jung said shadow work where people started to realize that the shadow work is within and the and what is considered the underworld in the Egyptian mythos is in fact that which is internalized it's not in the earth it is inside of you okay so the journey of the book of the dead is not truly a journey of real gods in a place inside the earth, which is what everybody in Western Judeo-Christian would tell you that it means. And you, even the people uh, that are in that religion over in Egypt, or you know, in that in that religion all, all around, that would tell you the same. They won't. They don't tell you. Not many know or realize that it is internalized. If you read the Golden Tablets of Thoth. The emerald tablets of Thoth. I'm seeing the energy as golden, and but they're actually emerald. I apologize for that. Sometimes I do that I'm because I was thinking of Thoth and I saw golden energy and realizing it was the light that I was seeing, not the actual um, tablets. The tablets are emerald. The emerald tablets of Thoth. I do that sometimes and I apologize. It's part of me that's on the other side, the medium in me. 
Uh, sometimes I tell what I see instead of what I'm supposed to be saying. Uh, and sometimes the interpretation is okay because they're trying to tell me that, but I was in fact channeling into or plugging into raw at that point to, or, or to uh, Thoth. And I was seeing the golden light, right? That's where the, the Asians have that song and they talk about the golden dragon. Um, that's the internalized um, perfection. When you when you perfect everything, the gold the light is golden. That's why the the light of God is golden, and the light of all the deities are golden light. It's not a white light. Everyone says, "Well, it's white. It's this pure light." It's not, in fact, pure white. There is that version, and that's at a level. But when you get to the to the dual aspect of the of the androgynous creation, the creation above uh, or below or within, it's the same. That's where people get weird is they don't realize that everything that is within is without is the is identical. It's just two phases, the yin and the yang. It's not good and evil past this place. It is just what is, what is within what is without. Uh, and that's because what, what you are is what is within and what you project is what is without. Anyway, I don't want to go all the way down that entire road, right? But I saw the Thoth, and I saw the golden light, and I said golden tablets of Thoth, and I meant emerald. So the emerald tablets of Thoth say that the way to heaven is through the center, okay? Through the center of the earth, which in this location is the microcosm to the macrocosm that is the uh, Milky Way galaxy. So the center of the earth would be the focal point for us to focus on because that is the center of us because we are the three energy we are the creation so again it was a metaphor knowing it was going to have to get past in the future get past algorithms and uh and uh, uh people that are going to censor things okay and um right reese the this makes me reese says this makes me think about the guide stones that were blown up recently or the guide stone that was blown up, and then all the rest of them were knocked down very quickly right after that, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And Ariel, getting back to Ariel, made a comment when we were talking about uh, drinking, and she's one of those girls that tequila makes her clothes fall off. Um, but that's sexy, though, right? I mean, it's, uh, to me, it just makes me numb. So I don't drink tequila. I don't like the taste of it. Uh, I have to mix it with stuff, or I have to do it with a lime or salt and lime and that kind of stuff. Um, Right. But because uh, I'm Irish, I'm, I'm Viking. So I have a, a taste for mead, which is a honey wine. And I, I have a taste for uh, uh, that, you know, the vodkas and the, and the alcohols that are very European uh, and Viking in nature and that taste. That's why whiskey, I like the taste of that, but I can't take it because of my native and I'm only 5%. Um, <clears throat> but right. So the cactus, the, the agave plant, uh, you know, making the tequila, I don't really like the taste of it raw, so I don't drink shots of tequila, but um, I will if I can have salt and, and uh, a lime or salt and, and lemon because I love lemon. So that cuts the, the sourness of the, of the tequila. But that just makes me numb, right? I get numb. And that's not good if you're Irish to be numb because then you do stupid shit and break yourself, right? <laughs> Anyways, so Reese, yeah. So the, okay, so the guide stones... Um, you know, I don't want to get too much in that. It's a whole nother show right there. We talked about that on, on Skull Island last week, I believe. Not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday prior. And if it wasn't then, it was on Ariel's show on the 4th of July. It was one of those two, the 4th of July or the 6th of July. Uh, we, uh, Mike and I <clears throat> discussed the guide zones. 
<clears throat> and talked about that. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was, in fact, Ariel's show on the 4th of July because I think the Reverend was on and he had come on and did some singing there and then uh, played us a tune and then uh, played his harmonica and then we talked a bit. And I think that was when we talked about that. Okay, so uh, so, the, so I don't want to really get involved in that discussion and get too far off from what Ra's talking about here, but we talked about that in depth for uh like 45 minutes to an hour you know not want to catch if you don't know where ariel's show is ariel will link it to you and you can go and take a look at that on youtube uh because uh that was we talked about those unless you were there that day i don't remember because some days i i look at the, the chat and i know everybody in it and other days i don't know anybody's name in the chat and, I, and so i don't know who was on what show if i do multiple shows like this week i've been on the air wednesday thursday and friday on three different shows now. It's on Skull Island on Wednesday. I was an aerial show last night. And I'm on, on Orion Rising tonight. So I start, what happens is all that starts to run together, uh, especially with the deja vus. Okay, so let me go ahead and continue with, with Raw here. But I wanted to point that out because people now are capable, like opening the doors, uh, like in the 60s, they had the band, The Doors. Uh, that's what that was about. And opening the doors with uh, of the drugs only, People as a mass scale, uh, large millions, if not billions of people are able to do that now through meditation and spiritualism uh, without uh, having to do drugs. And then when people do it with both people who are capable of that and do a ayahuasca trip or something like that. Um, yeah, another can of worms. You missed it. You'll have to go back, Reese, and, and take a look at it. So we, we actually went down that road and we actually watched the video of the explosion and talked about the possibility. It was on Ariel's show. It was, it was on the 4th of July on Ariel's show. So if you go to her channel on YouTube uh, and, and go to the 4th of July episode, we watched the video that uh, of the explosion itself and myself and, and uh, one of the other guys who was in the Air Force, or he said Navy, he was in the Navy, um, on U.S. Navy. We talked about the possibilities of what kind of explosive was used in that detonation. And then we get into details about what we think uh, could have been used or was used because of the blast pattern and the explosion on the video and yada yada. So we did a whole bunch of talking about that. You should check it out, brother, <laughs> on the 4th of July on Ariel's show. Okay, so Ariel, link your please link your YouTube page in the chat so Reese or anyone else who is wanting to uh, take a look at that episode can, can then link on that and go and take a look at your show. Uh, and you can also find that I was also on her show uh, another t a couple times since then. In fact, I was on her show yesterday. Okay, I'm going to go back to the law of one and continue here. 4.14. Questioner, I'm a little confused. I partially understand you, but I'm not sure that I fully understand you. Could you restate that in another way? Ra, I can restate that in many ways, given this instrument's knowledge of your vibratory sound complexes. I will strive for a shorter distortion at this time. Two kinds there are who can heal, those such as yourself who, having the innate distortion towards knowledge giving of the law of one, can heal but do not, and those who, having the same knowledge, but showing no significant distortion consciously towards the law of one in mind, body, or spirit, yet and nevertheless have opened a channel to the same ability. The point being that there are those who, without proper training, shall we say, nevertheless, heal. 
it is a further item of interest that those whose life he does not equal their work may find some difficulty in absorbing the energy of intelligent infinity and thus become quite distorted in such a way as to cause disharmony in themselves and others and perhaps even find it necessary to cease the healing activity. Therefore, those of the first type, those who seek to serve and are willing to be trained in thought, word, and action of those who will be able to comfortably maintain the distortion toward service in the area of healing. Question 4.15 Questioner, then would it be possible for you to train us in our healing practice? Answer, I am Ra. It is possible. Question. So <clears throat> Ra here is referring to people who are natural healers, natural born healers because of their disposition. Right. So because of that, they came through as a healer and they didn't they don't need to be trained. A lot of people are coming through that way now to where they're coming through with uh, different ways of healing that are not, uh, you know, not necessarily now Reiki uh, uh, teachings. And they weren't attuned. And people are saying, where'd you learn this? And they're like, I got it from the universe. And people go, oh, well, then you must be fake. And they're not. Right. Some people are. But you find that out pretty quickly. But the truth is. Most of these people that are coming through, there was like one that's called Blue Fairy Fire and uh, Indigo Fairy Fire. And um, these things are real. And they, they people, it's just like if you if you say, well, Reiki, right? People would say, well, that's not Reiki. Well, you haven't been attuned. Well, the, the Grand Master of Reiki, who is deceased now, I think his wife is even deceased. I was trained by uh, by both of their um, uh, their lineage. And and uh, he he was on a mountain and he had light come to him from the energy of the universe. That's why he called it Reiki. Reiki are Japanese words that mean light energy. Ray meaning the ray of the sun, light uh, energy. Ki is energy, or chi in Chinese is energy. Ki, and that's why you hear the Japanese if they're if they're fighting, they say kia kia kia. That's the using their chi, and then the Asian or the Chinese say chi instead of instead of ki. But it means the same thing. It's just a difference in like, uh, you know, like the 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 uh, uh, Gaelic, the Irish saying Celtic and the Scottish saying Celtic key and, and chi. Same thing. OK, so let me continue here because he's talking about natural healers. And now he's going to be talking about healing and uh, in the in the touch, teaching of that. where He says, will you teach us? And he says, I will. Right. Snarky raw again, for those of you who remember raw being snarky, is it would, would it, you know, then would it be possible for you to train us in the healing practice? It is possible. Or I am raw. It is possible. And that was the end of it. Well, then questioner, will you train us? Raw. I will. <laughs> Very snarky and to the point. Right. Here we go. 4.16. Questioner, will you train us? Ra, we will. Question 4.17. Questioner, I have no idea how long this would take. Is it possible for you to give a synopsis of the program of training required? I have no knowledge of what questions to ask at this point. Answer, I am Ra. We consider your request for information, for as you noted, there are a significant number of vibratory sound complexes which can be used in sequence to train the healer. The synopsis is a very appropriate entry that you might understand what is involved. Firstly, the mind must be known to itself. This is perhaps the most demanding part of healing work. If the mind knows itself then the most important aspect of healing has occurred, for consciousness is the microcosm of the law of one. The second part has to do with the disciplines of the body complexes. 
in the streamings reaching your planet at this time. These understandings and disciplines have to do. Okay, so, right, the first part is what? The consciousness is the microcosm of the law of one. And the law of one would be the, the macrocosm. Microcosm meaning small and macro meaning the all. So, right, if the mind knows itself, then the most important aspect of healing has occurred. For consciousness is the microcosm of the law of one. So our consciousness is the microcosm of the law of one. And the law of one is that there is a large consciousness that is the collective consciousness of all beings is, in fact, the creator of the universe. So here is where Ra is suggesting to us that we as individuals are the creation we are a microcosm to the macrocosm that is the creator so we are a mini creator we have been created by the creator not as a individual separate from the creator and this is in the very beginning when he says that you're a thought okay dancing on a stage we are in fact the creator and we are, in fact, only separated by that which makes us an individual. And the only thing that makes us an individual is our physical body and our experiences. So we have a personality that is given to us by our parents in this conceptual reality. And once we start to identify with that, that reality, that that construct that is the individual we then see ourselves as individuals and we don't know any better because we're veiled we don't have any memory that we are in fact the creator at this point so because of that we take on the guise of the individual and believe that we are that individual and that is set upon us on purpose so that we can then have all of these experiences. I talked about this last night on Ariel's show, that you to truly have an experience or to truly understand, understand, conceptualize or realize any emotion, any feeling or anything, you have to see yourself as both in service to others and in service to self to actually get it. Here's my here's my point. If I truly need to or want to experience love, I can only understand, there's that word again, I can only fathom the infinite love that is part of love when I realize hate and experience hate. Do you see? That is why when Jesus, in the time of Jesus, when he was alive, he could not have been a teacher. The Yiddish word for teacher is rabbi. He could not be a rabbi unless he was married. Mike, welcome. Mike's in the house. Howdy, howdy. He could not be a rabbi if he was not, in fact, married, and he had to have his wife had to either have children or be pregnant with children. That's the way the laws were. At the time, I don't know if they still are this, that way now, 
because I'm not, in fact, Jewish, so I don't go to the synagogue, and I don't know all their laws. But that's the way it was when Jesus was, in fact, teaching when he was in the synagogue and allowed to teach, he was called rabbi. So to do that, he had to prove to the people in the synagogue who ran it, they had to acknowledge him as a teacher. The only way they would have done that was that he showed up with a wife and she was uh, sticking out pregnant. Or she had kids. Okay? So that's the same thing. For him to, and this that's the macrocosm now to the microcosm. For, for you to be a teacher and teach, learn, uh, learn, teach about marriage counseling, children, how to raise children, yada, yada, or anything that has to do with the family unit, you have to have first experienced it or been or be experiencing it. So to truly get and fathom what love is, you have to learn hate as well. So you, everything that is happening that you see happening in the world has happened to you or is happening to you or will happen to you. And every single thing that you dislike or hate in the world because it's evil, you were once, you are now, or you will be that. Okay? And you have to to graduate from here. So you have to accept that in yourself. That's the shadow work. That's part of the shadow work that you have to accept. And this is what he's talking about here. To those people, right, that are already in that position, and he's talking about in the healing sense, right, this is perhaps the most uh, demanding part of healing work. If the mind knows itself the most important aspect of healing has already occurred. He says has or, or has occurred, but I'm paraphrasing and adding has already occurred, past tense. For consciousness is the microcosm of the law of one. Your consciousness is the same as the, as the creator. You daydream and you come up with scenarios and where you create an entire reality and in that reality things happen that you imagine that is what you are to the creator that's what i am that's what we all are but because we are part of the creator itself ourself in every place in creation which we created we have the creative control Unless we try to detach ourselves from that light, which is the creation, and become evil. And then our penance for doing so is moving away from the light and the lack of the light. And that means lack of love. And that means because you need love of others and it means service to others to create. Without love and creating unconditionally, you don't, you don't get to create. Right? So, Ariel, I don't know if you're trying to say something, but you keep coming through with blank on the screen that I can see in the chat. Like when you did the symbol and when you were uh, like, sometimes you're coming through and you're typing something and I can read it. And then there's a bunch of stuff where you're typing uh, at 504 and 505 and 507 where it's just blank, like you're just hitting the enter button. I don't know if that's what you're doing. <laughs> Yes, Denise said, so until we experience all things, we keep coming back. Yes, uh, until until you have had the understanding, the understanding, the knowledge, and either seeing or doing or all of the above, usually it's all of the above, 
of every possible thing that you can do within parameters. It's not everything that you don't have to learn everything in the entire universe, but there are a parameter, love, hate, those sort of things. So if you t look at the Ten Commandments, say, uh, and, and you would have to experience all those to actually get them, right? Gluttony, lying, cheating, stealing, all of that, being good, being evil. You, and that's why uh, it, Ra says, early on Ra already said that, or Ra's about to, there is no right or wrong. And this is the thing that I talked about last night on the show that they don't want to for you to teach. As a uh, minister, they don't want you to say that. They don't want you to tell people it's okay to be evil because they're trying to make money off of selling you and, and using that as fear that if you're not good, evil will get you. And that's scary and you shouldn't want to do that because it's bad. Because they've been, you have to understand, there's that word again, you have to realize that the human race had been so corrupted by evil people that people didn't even believe there was gods. Okay? So they utilized fear. If you look at the Hebrew religion, that entire religion is based on fear. It's based on fear and it's based on, uh, on uh, guilt. Okay, and any Jew who's alive today will tell you that that religion is based on guilting you. So the Christian religion, in, in in turn, picked up that guilt as well, and so did the Muslim religion. If you look at the Hindu religions in the East, there is no guilt; it just is. It's the same with the Asian religions; they don't have guilt. They just tell you, if you do bad things, you go to a bad place. But they don't tell you, you better not look out. You better watch out. You better take, you know, the, Santa Claus is coming to town, and he's checking his list, and he knows when you're awake, and he knows when you're asleep. Okay, that's the same thing. God knows when you're awake. God knows when you're asleep, and God's going to judge you. Judgment day is coming. All of that's a lie. All of that's bullshit. None of that's true. There is a judgment day, and you are the judge. There is no time when you get called by your name. Because can you imagine there's like a trillion, trillion, trillion? I don't even know what the word is for a trillion, trillion. Right? Gagillion. Souls alive in the universe and the multiverse. God doesn't have enough time, even if time is all now to call everybody up in front of him and list all the things they've done wrong and hold them accountable for that. It just doesn't happen. It wouldn't be a part of my creation, and I'm a tiny little uh, human. Yeah, quintillion, quintillion, right? That's scary. What's beyond that? What's the next one beyond that? What's a quintillion, quintillion? What's, what's that one? Is that a gagillion, right? It's whatever that is. And that still doesn't fathom the amount of, of souls that would be alive. There's, you know, almost 8 billion just on this little teeny rock. Okay? Right? Think about that. So we're, we're, that means we're getting, you know, we're getting close to the 10 billion just on this one planet. And we've only been alive here for, you know, however long. I think about the people that have been alive or the uh, societies that are still alive and throughout the universe that have been alive for a, a quintillion years. Okay, and how many souls are out there? Infinite. So, so how much time does God have to go? You, I know your name. I created you. You're Jim Bob Umwebwe from the planet Chukutu. 
and now we have to judge the 400 lives you've had. So there was that time when you were first a baby soul, right? That was 4 trillion, trillion, trillion years ago, right? We're going to go through every one, every sin you've ever committed and everything you ever did good. So everybody tuck in, get your popcorn ready. We're going to be here for about, in human terms, about a trillion, trillion years for this one soul, and then we'll move on to the next one. Way to get to Satan. It's going to take us a, a couple of millennial, a couple of millennia, and maybe a few millennials. Okay, so that just doesn't happen. You are the person who, you and your guides are the ones who judge you. You're not called before the pearly gates. Can't get in the pearly gates. Got to line up and wait to be judged. That's all bullshit. It's all a lie that was told by the churches to keep you under control. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Do what I tell you to do. Meanwhile, I'm having sex with little boys and little girls, and I'm getting the nuns pregnant. And we're hiding all that from you, and I'm beating people and murdering natives uh, to whatever country that I'm living in that we're trying to eradicate because we want the land grab. And waging war on anybody who says who, who says that what I'm selling isn't true. Do you see? We will go and murder those people because they don't agree with us. Who do you think taught the Saracens? Who do you think taught the Muslims? It was the Christians by murdering them because they were non-Christian. So then the Muslims did the same thing and adopted the same exact thing. That's true. You can look it up. They didn't do it first. Christians did it first. Brutally murdered everyone. Women and children didn't care. Bashed everybody's heads in. Killed them all because Shaka Zulu said it when he Shaka Zulu learned it from the Christians. How do you defeat your enemy? You murder them and kill them utterly. So there is no one left alive to rise up against you because if you leave one man alive, they will rise up against you. It might take them 20 years, but they will. And that was Shaka Zulu's ideology. Okay. Do you think the Christian church wasn't that way? Yes, they were. Otherwise, you wouldn't have any need for knights going to, uh, with swords and weapons and armor, to go to a foreign land to conquer it at all. Because you were conquering against the will of the people who lived there. Do you understand? So, those people who have the ear to hear and have the mind to understand or, or to, to understand and have the eyes to see, this is what Raw is talking about here. That, again, let me read it to you. If the mind knows itself, then the most important aspect of healing has occurred. So if you know, truly know yourself and are objective with yourself, you've done and doing or finished the shadow work. And the only way you can do that is to truly know what it means. Because if you're trying to heal and you need to love to heal, you have to understand or understand. There's that word again. You have to comprehend what it means to be injured physically and spiritually. So you have to experience that yourself as well. This is the shadow work. This is the, the Christ being crucified, going to hell, and then ascending from hell to heaven. That is the rise of the soul from the dark night of the soul. And we all have to do the way to heaven is through me, Jesus said. We, as a human race on this planet, are going through the same thing and, and tribulations that Jesus went through to ascend. And we are going to be proverbially, not literally, but, but spiritually, 
crucified. We have to. We have to crucify ourselves. Do you see? And in crucifying Jesus, that was the self that is or was at the time the collective consciousness of the of the Roman Empire at the time, representing the microcosm again to the macrocosm, representing the human race and their attitude and spirituality at the time. And that is why Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you see? Because Jesus knew that the sacrifice had to be made to prove the point that to truly ascend, one must sacrifice oneself. Because you have to learn not to hold yourself above everyone else. The only way that you can truly know that is you have to have the dark night of the soul and realize you're no more special than anyone else because everyone is you. So you have to sacrifice yourself and your love for yourself. That is sacrificing yourself. Becoming the person or the soul who loves others above themselves. Even though you have to love yourself enough to take care of yourself and to heal yourself, you have to be able to put yourself above only yourself. You don't put yourself above any other uh, being because you are that being. So you are the same. So you have to love them as you lo love thy neighbor, as you love thyself. That was what he was telling you in that parable. And I, I know, again, for those of you who are non-Christian, I'm using the, the, that, that pantheon to explain, but that was, that's the most popular. And, they're, and, you know, those, and straightforward. Jesus was very straightforward with the things that he was saying. You just have to realize what he meant. Okay? So let's continue here. Do with the balance between love and wisdom in the use of the body in its natural functions. The third area is the spiritual, and in this area the first two disciplines are connected through the attainment of contact with intelligent infinity. Question 4.18 Questioner, I believe I have a little idea of the accomplishment of the first step. Can you elaborate a little bit on the other two steps which I am not at all familiar with? Answer, I am Ra. Imagine the body. Imagine the more dense aspects of the body. Proceed therefrom to the very finest knowledge of energy pathways which revolve and cause the body to be energized. Understand that all natural functions of the body have all aspects from dense to fine, and can be transmuted to what you may call sacramental. This is a brief investigation of the second area. To speak to the third, if you will, imagine the function of the magnet. The magnet has two poles. One reaches up. The other goes down. The function of the spirit is to integrate the upreaching yearning of the mind-body energy with the downpouring and streaming of infinite intelligence. This is a brief explication of the third area. All right. So there, that's that would could also be told instead of the magnet having two poles, one reaching up and one reaching down, one reaching out and one reaching in. Do you see? So the second being the body, right? Having all aspects from dense to fine, again, that which is above and that which is below, that was which was within, that was and which is without. So that which is dense and that which is non-dense in the body itself physically. And then the you know the third part being 
right, being the the uh, um, spirit, right? The magnet has two poles, right? Speaking of the third, it will be imagine the function of a magnet. It has two poles, one reaching up or out, one reaching down or in. The function of the spirit is to integrate the up in integrate the upreaching yearning of the mind slash body energy with the downpouring of the streaming of infinite intelligence. So it's what he's saying is, and then he says this is a brief explanation, as brief as they can be, or he on on the third area. And that has to do with everything that I just said prior to now. So I'm not going to get right into, into any more of that unless you guys have a question. If you do, I'll stop and continue. Otherwise, we'll just continue with the uh, with raw. Question 4.19. Questioner, then would this training program involve specific things to do, specific instructions and exercises? Answer, I am Ra. We are not at this time incarnate among your peoples, thus, we can guide and attempt to specify, but we cannot, by example, show. This is an handicap. However, there should indeed be fairly specific exercises of mind, body, and spirit during the teach-learning process we offer. It is to be once again iterated that healing is but one distortion of the law of one. To reach an undistorted understanding of that law, it is not necessary to heal or, indeed, to show any manifestation but only to exercise the disciplines of understanding. We would ask that one or two more questions be the ending of this session. Question 4.20. Questioner, my objective is primarily to discover more of the law of one, and it would be very helpful to discover the techniques of healing. I am aware of your problem with respect to free will. Can you state the law of one and the laws of healing to me? Answer, I am Ra. The law of one, though beyond the limitations of name, as you call vibratory sound complexes, may be approximated by stating that all things are one, that there is no polarity, no right or wrong, no disharmony, but only identity. All is one, and that one is love-light, like love, the infinite creator. One of the primal distortions of the law of one is that of healing. Healing. All right, so see now, that's the part that the churches don't want you knowing. The law of one, though beyond the imagination of name, right? The, the imagine, imagination, yeah, of name, as you call the vibratory sound complexes, may be approximated by stating that all things are one. That there is no polarity, no right or wrong, no disharmony, but only identity. All is one. And that one is love, light, light, love, the infinite creator. One of the primal distortions of the law of one is that of healing. And remember that he had just said prior to that healing was only one distortion, one uh, possible idea of the law of one. Because that is only one little aspect, one little teeny piece. So that's the part that churches don't want you to know because everything. And that was when in this place. People in the third density, not the third dimension. The dimension is the place that we're in. The density is the, some people say it the other way around. They're both the same, so it doesn't really matter. It's just a play on words. The reality that is, is this place. Once you realize 
the dichotomy between good and evil and what it actually means and what it's actually for. And you move and rise above that in your vibration, which is when you're in the fourth or the fifth density, in, even in this location, spiritually. Then you're above the reach. You've passed the level in which you're being affected by the ego and everything that's going on here. When you reach that plateau or that place, you look back down, and that's when when I'm when I when you hear me say, uh, everything that you read and all these uh, dusty tomes is just a, a a fairy tale, a story that you tell, a nighttime bed story to scare children. Because that's what it is. Okay, so this dichotomy, this fight, this war that everyone thinks is happening between good and evil, and that evil is fighting this, evil wants you to do that because the more you're obsessed with uh, confrontation and and opposition, the more you're playing into their vibratory pattern and you're staying in a low vibration. The second you stop doing that and ignore that and ignore them and focus on on love light like he was saying you become more upright and once you do that then you channel back and plug into that infinite wisdom of the infinite universe of the infinite creator and this is what Ra is saying once you do that you look at this whole good evil thing the same way you look at hickory dickory dock when you're telling your child that nursery rhyme there's no difference between that nursery rhyme and the nursery rhyme that is the yin and the yang, that is good and evil, and that is that dance. See, and then when, when see, so, so yeah, Ariel, when you laughed, you said stickers laugh out loud. I see that fine. And when you said excited about your show on Thursday, I see that fine. So I guess you were just hitting the button there. Maybe you were bored and you were just going click, click. I don't know. Uh, so you need to realize that. There is no right or wrong because there is no good or evil. It's just a perception of your mind. Good and evil is a construct in your mind that has been put there because of the veiling. It is part of the aspect of your teaching, your learning, that which you need to to, uh, actually experience to realize what life is and to truly experience all aspects that's what we're here to do that's what all of this was created for was so that we would learn all of that and that is just what you learn when you go to kindergarten in in grades one through 12. it's the same thing you learn there that gets you ready for college and then college is supposed to get you ready for adulthood out in the world although all that's been corrupted and it's no longer doing its job, which is the microcosm to the macrocosm of spirituality. All of it is corrupted in all of the religions, so they're no longer doing the job that they were supposed to do. Do you see? So, (laughs) Ariel said, I like that nursery rhyme, right? I know it depends on the version you're talking about. You know, I've heard that one hickory dickory dock, this chick was sucking my cock right uh, andrew dice clay told that one <laughs> right so it depends on the nursery rhyme if you listen to any of the ones the way that the way andrew clay told them back in the day before before the woke uh, uh crowd decided to uh erase him 
He was the first person erased by wokeness. Um, that was he did a show that was called the the night the laughter died, right? So yeah, right. Ariel's laughing. Yeah, so that's how he told the joke. I, I, Hickory Dickory Dock. This chick was sucking my dock. The struck the clock. The clock stuck, struck two. I blew my goo. I dumped the bitch at the next block. That's the nursery rhyme. The way Andrew Dice Clay told that on stage. Little boy blue. I don't know why he did it. He just liked to do that. I guess. Right. <laughs> right. Little Jack Corner was jerking off in the corner. That's the way he talked. He was it was hilarious. He was this this guy from New York and he talked with that accent and he was that was his persona. He was Andrew Dice Clay. Anyway, so it depends on the nursery rhyme. But the point here is getting back on point is that the that the that all of these Bibles, these scrolls, they're just nursery rhymes for children. And they're trying to tell the child and teach the child how to become an adult. And there's just many different ways of doing that. They're all parables on the same story, but it's for children. It's not for adults. When you become adult, honestly, when you become an adult, you look at these stories and you realize how simple they are. Okay, I do the law of one, and uh, I had people come in when I did it last time. The oracle came in the first time she came in. She said to me, this is basic, isn't it? It was. It almost annoyed her as to how simple the law of one was. And I had I, strangers I didn't even know came in and said, this is basic. I'm like, for you, yeah. For you, it is. If you believe it's base, basic when you get here and you hear me talking, it's because you're already past the vibratory pattern of needing this information. And I would wager, and this is what I say to these people, I would wager that when you read the Bibles uh, and stories from around this planet, you think the same. This is something written for children. If you realize that and you're in that place, you don't need me at all. You should be doing what I'm doing. You should already know that. If you truly are in that place, you should be helping people in some way. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be doing what I'm doing. It just means that you, unless you're in service to self, in which case you're going to get annoyed with me really quickly and you're going to leave and call me all kinds of names. If you're in service to others, then you're still looking for, and that's a possibility, of what you're supposed to. Yeah, Julie said Dice was hilarious. Yeah, the Dice man was. He was hilarious. Not a joke. He was funny. Um, then if you're still looking for what it is that you're supposed to do, I mean, keep looking. Eventually you'll find that where you where you land in what you're going to do. And it might be that you don't do anything. You're just here being as a positive influence. There are some people that are just here to be positive. They're not here to, and I don't mean the typo, like the TV series, Be Positive. I mean the the or you know blood type. What I mean is that there that some people are literally just here for their spirit to be a positive influence on the energy of this planet, and and merely that. Okay. So, right and yeah, Ariel turning everything to a sexual thing, right? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm in service to self, but I service myself. Right. I see that's just the you know, that's just your sexuality. I service myself too, just so you know. And I service others. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> right. We can go there if you want, but this is an adult this is an adult show, but there might be children involved in the audience. Right? Yes, yeah, she says, I'm sorry, I'll behave, laugh out loud. Um so the truth is that you need to realize that, and I and I and I'm pausing here for a long time because I'm trying to let this sink in with those of you. Uh, what I said, there is no right and wrong. 
right? Let me let me put it on the page here so I can actually read it, right? There is there is no polarity. See, there is no right and wrong. Let's start with that, right? There is no polarity. There just is. There's only identity. All is one. And that one is love, light, light, love. The infinite creator, one of the of the primal distortions of the law of one is healing. Okay. So that's the hardest thing for people to realize when you get that, that paragraph right there. When you actually know that to be true, you will look at the yin and the yang and the dance and you will see it as something for children. No different, honestly. And that's what he's saying in that statement right there. And then he's going from that one aspect. He's using the word distortion. He uses the word distortion in its in its basic sense of something that is slightly off of the vibrational pattern of something else. Hence the use of the word distortion in the vibratory or harmonic sense instead of using the word that I just used, which is kind of gives the doesn't do justice to the distortion and what that means. It's not just a negative thing. It means distortion means off plumb, off zero point, right? So one aspect, a vibratory aspect, that's why he's using the word distortion, because that means that vibratory aspect of the law of one is healing. Okay, let's continue. Occurs when a mind, body, spirit complex realizes deep within itself the law of one, that is, that there is no disharmony, no imperfection, that all is complete and whole and perfect. Thus, the intelligent infinity within this mind, body, spirit complex reforms the illusion of body, mind, or spirit to a form congruent with the law of one. The healer acts as an urgeser or catalyst for this completely individual process. One item which may be of interest is that a healer asking to learn must take the distortion understood as responsibility for that ask receiving, thus healing. This is a honor duty which must be carefully considered in free will before the asking. Question 4.21. Questioner. I assume that we should continue tomorrow. Right, so here he's saying, right? That you need to be careful what you ask for because you have to ask if you you have to truly understand what you're asking. Right. So one item which may be in the interest of the healer asking to learn must take the distortion understood as responsibility for that ask slash receiving, thus healing. This is a honor slash duty, which must be carefully considered in free will before the asking. Be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. But you also, and that means the same as what he said in the in the in that part of that paragraph. You have to fully understand, you have to fully understand, you have to fully conceive of both aspects and the responsibility for what you're doing or what you're about to receive before you ask for it because of the weight and responsibility of the knowledge that you're asking for. You have to fully integrate that into your soul and be willing to 
be not in service to self, but completely in service to others, which means you cannot be selfish. You cannot use it for your own purposes. You cannot do these things. That's why you hear that in uh, a lot of the religions, the pagan religion, the Wiccan religion of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, not not doing something for your own gain. If you do things for your own gain, that's why when people ask psychics, give me the lottery numbers. No, that's personal gain. You don't get to do that. That's part of the law of one. It's part of the laws of the universe. Because everybody would ask for the lottery numbers and everybody would then be rich and there'd be no reason for a lottery and it would go broke. Right? So you have to realize that you're already rich because your perception of what it is that your scenario is is directly related to, first of all, your own point of view as to what you think richness is compared to what poor is or poverty is. Well, I'm poor. You know, you're America poor. If you live in the United States and you think you're poor, you're not poor. I don't care how poor you think you are in the United States. I'm homeless. I've been there. Still not as poor as people around the world. I've been there. I've been homeless more than once. You have to want to starve to death in the United States to starve. You have to want to be without a home. They don't even call it homeless anymore. They call it they call it um, uh, with without a, a, a house or without a home now. They call it something like that. Instead of saying homeless, they say you're 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 dehomed or something like that, because the word homeless has a negative connotation. Right, the wokeness. He's changed the word so that it doesn't sound as bad as that it is. You're homeless. Well, you are homeless. You do not have a home. You live outside, right? That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but if you want, the only way you stay homeless in the United States is you have to want to. You have to want to starve to death to starve to death. Because if you're sitting down and you're hungry and you're starving and you have no home, All you have to do is find other people that are just like you and ask them, where do you get food and where's the shelter? They're going to tell you where it is. You have to choose not to want to go to the shelter and you have to choose to not to want to eat because they will give you three squares in every metropolis that you want and a shower and clothing and food to go. All you have to do is show up there and don't do drugs while you're there. Don't be on alcohol while you're there and they'll give you the world. And if you want to get off of the streets and not be homeless, They'll put you up in a place and help you get a job and make sure that you have a place to stay every night indoors and have a place to get food and water and clothing. And they'll even help you get the right clothes if you don't have them to go to a to a uh, interview to get a job and help you find a place. I know I used to volunteer at these places to help people get off the streets. So don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because I was homeless and I worked at the places didn't work. I volunteered at places to get people off the streets. You have to choose to not want to live in a house or some sort of domicile. And you have to choose to not want to be part of society to, to be in that position in this country. Now, I'm not saying that, that your that the things that happen to you put you in that place or out of your control because that can happen. That happened to me. I didn't choose to be homeless. But my point is, if you want to stay homeless, you only stay homeless as long as you want to. Okay. If you're willing to work, you, it, there's countries where you can't. There is nothing for you. No one will help you. And when you don't have a job and you don't have a place and you're homeless and you don't have food, there aren't people giving you stuff. That exists on this planet. If you're American 
or any Western civilization, you've never been exposed to that unless you've gone to a foreign country and looked for it. So you think you're poor when you're not. Okay. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to scold you. I'm saying that because that's part of what Raw is trying to, to tell you here. It's to fully understand what it means to be a healer, you have to fully understand or understand to conceptualize that which you're asking. It's a way of life, right? They say that because as a knight being knighted, it's not just a title, it's a way of life, or you're not given that way of life. You have to have people vouch for you to get into the order to be a paladin. And then you have to prove to them that you are, in fact, in service to others, not in service to self. And you have to have credible witnesses vouch for you and get you in and then vouch for you again and again and again because you become a first degree, a second degree, and a third degree. And then you have to be invited again to be the fourth degree and be knighted. It's not like anywhere else where you can just join and go up through the ranks. You have to be vouched for because you have to be a certain type of person who lives a certain lifestyle to get that. And it's the same in reality. And that's why my my uh, stepfather or my, my I'm sorry, my godfather, who uh, encouraged me to do what I did. In fact, leaving the church, leaving the knights, scolding the knights, taking some of the knights with me when I did, creating a rift within the Knights of Columbus that is still reverbing throughout the the, the entire uh, 3 million plus Knights worldwide to this day. Not just me, but other people just like me who did the same thing over the course of years. I met a man who just recently passed away last year at, who was in the Knights of uh, Columbus and only went through the first degree and left for the same reasons that I left in the fourth. And he did that 20 years before I was even a Knight. We talked about it when I was in his house after I had done the same. And he said why he did it. And it was the same reasoning. So he had caused that rift there as well because he saw the hypocrisy that has been corrupted in the nights, just like that happened in the temple nights back when Balian was trying to defend Jerusalem and Guy de Lucien and his brother were robber knights and had a bunch of robber knights under their control. It still happens because 8% of the population is evil, and that 8% is trying to put themselves into a position of power always in every organization. Okay? All the time, everywhere. It's part of the law of one. Okay, here we go. Answer, I am Ra. Your assumption is correct unless you feel that a certain question is necessary. This instrument is best nurtured by approximately this length of work. Question 4.22. Questioner, I have one more short question. Is this instrument capable of two of these sessions per day, or should we remain with one? Answer, I am Ra. This instrument is capable of two sessions a day. However, she must be encouraged to keep her bodily complex strong by the ingestion of your foodstuffs to an extent which exceeds this instrument's normal intake of your foodstuffs, this due to the physical material which we use to speak. Further, this instrument's activities must be monitored to prevent overactivity, for this activity is equivalent to a strenuous working on the physical level. If these admonishments are considered, the two sessions would be possible. We do not wish to deplete this instrument. Question 4.23.
Questioner, thank you, Ra. Answer, I am Ra. I leave you in the love and the light of the one infinite intelligence which is the creator. Go forth rejoicing in the power and the peace of the one. Adonai. See, doing this just like Reiki or transmuting any energy, you burn up your sugar, you burn up water, and sometimes you burn up uh, literally uh, uh, stuff, your muscles, muscle tissue, things like that does happen. So in channeling, they're showing you got to make sure that she eats enough food, and then you also have to watch her that she doesn't overexert herself because going through the channeling, which if you ever saw Carla, she was just laying in a bed with her eyes closed in a trance. However, that session was like a, a, a two-hour workout physically and mentally, and it would burn up all of the same things in the body that the body needed to have replenished. And when I get done doing this, it's the same thing. I put a lot of energy. You guys don't realize you think I'm just sitting here talking, and I'm, I'm not only sitting here talking, but I'm also putting a lot of energy into the defense against the dark arts to do this show. Right. And then the energy out there to you guys to raise your light, your vibration and not just the three of you that I see that are in the crowd right now, but every single person who will ever hear this throughout all of time. Do you see? So I'm not just talking to people right now live. I'm talking to everyone that will ever hear my voice or read this anywhere in in the existence that this ether will reach and i'm projecting that while i'm sitting here talking to you so i burn up a lot of energy and that's why i always have water and coffee on next to me while i do this because i need to replenish that i'm dehydrated i'm almost being orange every time i'm done with a show and i'm just sitting i have i can do the same thing watching television and i sit for three hours and guess what i don't get dehydrated when I do this show, I do. Why? Oh, because you're burning up all kinds of energy talking, Leo, because you never shut up. Not true, but I am burning energy by talking, obviously. Right? I mean, when you talk, you burn more energy than when you don't. Let's be serious. Okay? But there's a difference in the transmuting of all of this information. And a lot of it I'm channeling, too. As, as I'm speaking, I get a lot of this stuff. I go back sometimes and listen to myself and go, wow, I don't even remember saying that. Holy crap, that was cool. Right. That's not a joke. All right. Let's continue. So this is the law of one session where we are here. Session five. And this took place on January 23rd, 1981. Okay. Let's continue. I am Ra. I greet you in the love and the light of the infinite creator. I communicate now. Question 5.1. Questioner. The last time that we communicated, we were speaking of the learning of healing. It is my impression from what you gave to us in the earlier session that is necessary to first purify the self by certain disciplines and exercises. Then in order to heal a patient, it is necessary, by example, and possibly certain exercises, to create the mental configuration in the patient that allows him to heal himself. Am I correct? Answer, I am Ra. Although your learn understanding distortion is essentially correct. Your choice of vibratory sound complex is not entirely as accurate as this language allows. It is not by example that the healer does the working. The working exists in and of itself. 
the healer is only the catalyst, much as this instrument is the catalysis necessary to provide the channel for our words, yet by example or exercise of any kind can take no thought for this working. The healing working is congruent in that it is a form of channeling some distortion of the intelligent infinity. All right, so there you you realize what I had said two weeks ago, and I said it again last week, where I was talking about the person, like uh, as a Reiki master teacher, when people say, you know, heal me, I'm not the one, I'm just the, I'm the tool, I'm not actually doing anything. I'm actually putting you into a state of consciousness to where you're healing yourself. And that, if you go back in a couple of weeks when I talked about uh, ago, uh, when I talked about the my priest, Father Neil, and him saying that when we were taking people through the church and them saying, Father, I'm so glad that you're here. And he's saying, I'm only here because you need me here. I'm not doing anything. I'm just the, the I'm the conduit. You, if you truly are, and so this is in Christianity. And here in, in, in Christianity, a teacher, a priest, which actually means teacher, right? That comes from Sanskrit, right? It's translation from uh, actually from Sanskrit to Coptic to Greek to Latin to English. <laughs> right? It's the same thing as a rabbi. It means teacher. Anyways, so the, the priest is saying, the only reason I'm here is because some of you need a human being to be here and tell you that you are forgiven that God or Jesus or whoever you're praying to uh, has received your message and is now giving you absolution or is now saying, okay, I believe that you're sorry uh, for what you you're did and your sin. And they were like, whoa, oh my God, what did you just say? And he was basically quoting right here what, what Raw is saying, what they're saying. That we, even as the healer, and when he's saying healer, when they're saying healer, they're not just meaning I have a wound and you need to heal it. The word healer here is being in reference to every aspect, every vibratory aspect, every distortion that is healing, be it physical, mental, psychological, spiritual, subconscious, superconscious, whatever you can imagine where you would need healing. That is what a healer does, is across all of those. So you have doctors who heal your body, and then you have nurses who also heal your body, but they heal your mind as well to help you heal your body. That's why they don't tell you how bad off you are when something's going wrong. They tell your loved ones to pray for you, but they don't tell you like when I was on going into surgery, when I had the assist in my armpit and it swelled up the size of a football, they didn't tell me I had a 2% chance of surviving the operation. They didn't tell me I had a 5% chance of making it to the, to the operating table. They didn't tell me any of that. I told my wife that, but they didn't tell me. Right. So there's different uh, things that are, that are healing, different aspects of what healing is. And when you're healing as one aspect even if you're focusing on one thing only you are still healing and need to be aware that your healing needs to be across the board in all of these things you don't have to have the doctorate or whatever and work on psychology and all of that but you have to be aware that all of that plays into a person's state of mind and their psyche and their physical well-being all of that together is is all the the mind spirit mind body complex so as if you're going to be a healer this is what the reference was that raw was saying truly 
realize that which you need to know before you ask to become a healer. It's not just, well, I just want to be able to touch someone and and, uh, heal their wounds. Because that's not the job. It's not what you're going to do. You have to be able to get a person to be in a place to heal themselves because everyone has free will and the only way they can be healed is to truly choose that, to stop being injured. Do you see? Even if your body is doing something like you have cancer or the whatnot, there's, there's, you have to realize what is it about my aspect that caused this? Was this something that I took on? Because this is what I needed to learn in this life was that I needed to go through that. Do you see? Or is this something that's not necessary for me to go through and it's happening to me because of outside things, right? All of that, you you have to get over the fear of death to truly heal yourself. You have to surrender to the idea that you might die. This may kill me. I don't want it to, and I'm not going to allow it to. But that's that could happen. It was like in the in the in the movie or the book Eaters of the Dead, which became the Thirteenth Warrior. And that was that was a story by Ahmed. I have you know Ahmed uh, Ibn Fahalan, Ibn Rashid, Ibn Al Abbas. That this is the only reason we still have Beowulf, the story of Beowulf at all is because that was written down by an Arab who who wrote that and took it back to him, his experiences back with him to Arabia, whatever country he came from uh, as a boar, and and had and shared that with the people what he was his what he happened to him while he was gone in exile. <clears throat> and when the Herger the 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 Viking that was one of the thirteen was had picked the fight with and I don't remember what his name was, who was uh, you know ten years twenty years younger than Herger and and almost a foot taller than him. Picked a fight to the death with him. And and uh, the you know Ahmed didn't understand what was happening and he said to him you know that he's younger than you and he's like yeah. And he's like, you know, he's bigger and younger. He's like, yeah, I can see that. And then he was like, bet on him if you like. And he showed that in the in the movie. And he's like, I may. And then as things were looking bad for Herger, and he appeared to be beaten and and lost all of his shields, because you get three shields, and he was about to be killed, he you know, Ahmed looked at Beowulf and said he could get killed. And Beowulf said, that is possible. The Vikings understood. They got the idea. Their religion, they believed that the All-Father, Odin, was was a spell weaver. And then he wove the skein. The skein is tied, the Vikings would say. Your life, the, the weave of your life was woven long ago by the All-Father. So, you were going you were born and you were going to die when the universe said that it was your time they made peace with that and that is why they were able to fight the way they did and if you ask anyone who's ever been in any military who have ever had to fight for their lives they will tell you that 
The reason they were capable of doing what they were doing was they had the mindset that set that they were already dead. It was just a matter of where and when and how that they were going to die. And that allows you to live, to truly live and be present in the now. Do you see where I'm going with this? To truly live, one must surrender yourself to the idea that you are already dead. It's just a matter of where, when, and how. And the and if you want to live, the longer you wish to live, the more you have to get involved and take control of your life. The Greeks believed that. That's why they would prepare themselves for death before they went into combat, rub down their entire body with anointed oils and spices and, and incense. And go through a ritual, get naked, and then go from there to arming themselves and putting on armor. And then, just like, uh, well, I remember his name now, but he had said, when one of the guys, the Arcadians said, aren't you worried that there's so many people and we might die? And he said, no. As a, as a, as a, as a uh, hoplite, only they used the word just calling themselves uh, um and what the the city they're from, which I can't remember right off the top of my head. For us, we hope, I hope that truly someone down there is good enough to take my life. That would be the best death that a Spartan could imagine. As a soldier, professional soldier, they reserved themselves to the fact that they were already dead if someone could could best them. Every single person who has ever survived in combat is a person who fights that way. Rarely do you see someone, unless they escaped and ran away, do you see someone that said, I was just terrified and I didn't want to die, so I ran away. But that doesn't mean they're not scared. That doesn't mean that you, do, you don't have fear. You're in fear every second. That's what gives you the ability to fight for your life. This is what it means to truly live on this planet. This is what it means to truly be a healer on this planet. You have to be able to realize the opposite of what is is being told to you is true. So to truly be a healer, you have to love. And to truly love, you have to understand. You have to understand. You have to conceptualize. You have to realize what it would mean to have the opposite happen. You can't know that if you've never seen it or experienced it. So to truly get yourself, inner self, and to be honest with your inner self, you have to admit to your inner self that you're imperfect and that you're capable of everything you hate in the universe because you created it because you created that so you created it in yourself it is in every one of us we could be a mass murderer we could be a rapist we can be a killer all those thoughts are there and it's not bad if you've ever thought those things about people, it's only bad when you start wanting to physically do those things. Then it becomes evil. 
Thinking about something doesn't make it bad. You're not going to be judged because you thought something. Because if you listen to that, when you if you're if you play with yourself in any way, you'll cause it to rain because some uh, religions tell you that you'll go to hell because you masturbate. What? Shut up. Don't be so stupid. That's something you tell a child, right? And think about that. Some of the things, if you realize what they're being said to, some of the things that people say in these religions are things you tell a child to be afraid of the dark. Okay? So, yeah, Jen's got to work. I know it's getting late for people around the world. <laughs> Jen said, got to work early tomorrow. Thank you, Leo. Good night, everyone. She said that six minutes ago. She probably left already. Good night, Jen. I'm sorry that I didn't say that while you were still listening. If I indeed missed you. Have a great night. Because, you know, for those people just on the West Coast, it's 9 o'clock. Some people got to get up at 4 in the morning or before that to go to work. So, And then if you're outside of this, you're in the U.K., right? It's, it's early in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning or so. It's 8 hours. <laughs> so it's 2, right? 2 or 3 in the morning. It would be 2. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be two. So, that's late if you're over in Europe, if you're in UK time. So, you have to realize that everything is connected. That's just like when people say, I don't want to talk about religion or politics, and how dare you talk about that? That has nothing to do with the, the yes, it does. It's, it's in everything. It is everything. To, to, and that, but it's it is annoying, and I'll admit that it's annoying. Like when you turn on a baseball game or a football game, and all you want to do is watch sports, and you don't want to hear about politics because it's been all over the fucking news, and religion because it's been all over the fucking news all day on every fucking channel that you've had on. So you just want to watch sports, which is what you know, war, <laughs> which is simulated warfare. But nobody gets killed. It's like watching wrestling, WWE wrestling. Nobody really gets hurt, but it's fun to watch. It's like watching uh, cartoons, you know. It's the same as watching Tom and Jerry. They beat each other over with the head with a chair. Nobody really gets hurt. Although in, in real life, some of those people actually do get hurt. Sometimes they get seriously injured. Uh, but it's never what you see scripted. I know that because I've, I grew up with wrestlers. My my uncles was personal friends with like, you know, Hulk Hogan and people like that. Not a joke. So, so I met those people and got to know what was going on behind the scenes. So you have to realize what Raw is saying here, even though they're talking about healing, they're talking about all aspects. And he's also referring to the dark night of the soul here in the knowledge that to, to fathom infinite wisdom, infinite love, infinity itself, infinite creation, and the infinite creator, to get anywhere near understanding what that means, understanding what that means, is to get the entire 100% aspect of what is being shown you in this reality. And that's what we're here to experience is all of that. Do you see? But you you also have to project yourself to a place above that. Because that's where you're trying to get to. That's what you're trying to achieve. To not be stuck on this earth, in this body, this construct, over and over and over, reincarnating and not being able to graduate and move on to the next place, wherever that is going to take you. 
You have to experience all these things, acknowledge them. You may not have to do every single one, and it would be determined by you and what you've set down for yourself to learn. But there are parameters of the good, the evil, the happy, the sad, the loving, the hating, the death, the loss, the life, the birth, the, all of that in, you know, seven to ten lifetimes. And when you allow yourself to learn from the mistakes that you make and the things that happen to you and around you, that becomes easier. And then once all of that gets in there and you actually learn what it is that you set yourself down, because God doesn't do that, you do. Like, why would God let this happen to me? God is giving me way more than I can chew. You did this to you, not God, not the creation itself. You did. As the individual soul that is becoming this individual, you sat down with your guides and said, these are the electives I want to take this year, this semester. And they won't let you take more than you can handle. It is your perception when you're here that you cannot handle that and your ego saying, you should kill yourself because you can't handle this. God has done this to you. You should hate God and the world and look what your parents did to you and everyone around you. They've raped you and pillaged you and killed you and broke you and beat you and burned you. You're nothing. You need to take your own life. Kill yourself now. Why is the ego doing that? That's one of the lessons you need to learn. Why is the ego doing that? Okay. The ego's doing that because the ego wants you here. The longer you're here, the longer the ego's listened to. The main objective of the ego is to get you to stay in a low vibratory pattern, listening to the ego itself, right? There's people out there who are stuck in the place, and this will happen, and it might happen to you. Those of you that are still with me here, you get this knowledge. Those of you, everybody else who left, they don't get the good stuff. I always keep the good stuff for last. I don't tell anybody that. Those of you, I'm going to turn this off because we're going to stop here, and we'll start at 5.2 next time. So those of you that are still with me, you get this little ditty. <clears throat> those of you listening on the MP3 file and you made it this long, you get this little ditty as well. Okay. <clears throat> Unless the universe isn't going to let me tell it. <laughs> I'm getting phlegm. <clears throat> right? So, <clears throat> so the, the, the things, yeah, I know, see, now I'm starting to lose it. The universe doesn't want me to tell everybody this. That sucks because this is actually information that you need to, you need to know. So, so let, me, let me see if I can roundabout get to it anyways, right? Um, just so you guys know, the way the, the, this is why Raw talks about this. Because of the veiling, there's certain things, certain aspects that people are supposed to learn on their own. This I can tell you. And go through on their own. When I'm teaching people, some of you who know that, and you've talked to me and you've had me work with you, you know that you have a sense that I know more than I'm telling because it's true. I do. And I can't always tell you things. People do this to me too. So it's not like I know everything because I don't. That's why psychics don't get to know anything about themselves because we have work we have to do too. So you don't get to know from the other side all the stuff that you get to know about other people to help them. We don't get to do that. So the sacrifice 
is knowing that we don't get to know anything about ourselves. That's why uh, Socrates said, "When the more you know, the more you realize that you know nothing. Because that's the truth. The more you realize about the universe and how the universe works, the more you realize that you still don't get to know certain shit either because you have to do the same work that everyone else around you has to do. We're not, I'm not any different than you. So I have to do the same work. So the people need to realize that. So I come from a place of the things I can tell you because I've already learned the things. And it's possible for me to tell you that because it's not against the law of confusion. <clears throat> the law of confusion doesn't allow us to give information that people are not ready for. And I was about to give you guys some information. I'm going to see if I can still get to it. And in some way, I'm looking for it to see if there's a portion of it that I can tell you that will help you to give you a tool to get to the realization that I was just about to tell you and the universe actually stopped me from telling you. And this happens. And this is a perfect example. And I want to explain that. Right. <laughs> Cheese again. Right. So there is. There is, in fact, yes, Julie, I had some cheese just before I went on air. That's one of the reasons why I have the phlegm. <clears throat> but that's not why I was just getting that. My vocal cords were actually locking up on me and I was mind wiped. <laughs> OK, the thought, the words I was formulating in my mind and conceptualizing from my higher self went away. Not because I'm uh, uh, having problems with my memory, because I was about to break one of the laws and give you guys something that I know that I can't tell you. And only people that know what I know already know it, but we can't tell you. So mediums will tell you this if they're honest mediums. Most of the time they try to they try to tell you something that makes you know what they know without telling you I can't give you that information. This is where I refer to back to the Dalai Lama and Eckhart Tolle in the beginning of the show when I mentioned that. Eckhart Tolle said that he was sitting with the Dalai Lama next to the Dalai Lama and people were asking questions and they asked the Dalai Lama a question and he answered with, I don't know. And he answered that more than once during the questioning and he said that that, because of how honest he was, he didn't try to come across as if he knows everything in the universe. He was honest enough to say, I don't know the answer to that. So if somebody, you ask a question to a, a medium and they never, you never ever hear them say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. It's because they're afraid to tell you that because they don't want you doubting whether or not they're legit. That's not a bad thing necessarily, because if I say that to you and I claim that I'm a medium and that I'm giving you that, you're going to go, well, fucking good are you? You didn't know the answer to that. How do I realize? How do I think you're real when you just told me you don't know? All these other people never say that. It's because they're cowards. They don't want you to know that there's actually an end to our abilities. Because when there's something that you need to experience on your own because you set down that experience for you to learn before you got here, I can't tell it to you because the universe will stop me like it just did. And no matter how hard we try and try to force it, the words will disappear out of our mind. I tried to force it and my throat locked up and then I, then I laughed about it and said, I'm going to tell you anyways. And the memory was disappeared out of my brain. I literally went, wow, now I don't even have the concept of what I was going to tell you. I don't even remember right this second what it was that I was going to tell you. 
But I know that what I was going to tell you was actually something that was very important and that people needed to understand. <laughs> but it was something that the universe was like, no, 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 that's against the, the law of, of forgetting, the law of confusion, uh, which is that which is happening to us here, is that we're, the veiling is that place when we're mind wiped and we don't get to know certain things because we're supposed to experience them. See, I can say that to you because that's not against the law. That's explaining the law. I'm not giving you any secret. That's what people realize, don't realize is that everything that I say as when I'm talking to, uh, you know, about the law of one or about the information that I tell you, I can give it to you because it's open knowledge. You just don't see it. Do you see? It's knowledge that is there for all of you to see. So I can tell you that knowledge. But it's just the tool that I'm telling you, I'm showing you. You don't fully integrate that into yourself until you realize it, the aspect of it, 100%. And that's what I'm trying to get across over and over. That's why you hear me say that over and over, that it's, it's up to you. I can say this is a microphone. But if you've never seen a microphone or you don't think it's a microphone, you think I'm lying to you or you don't know what a microphone is for, it's going to be foreign to you and you're going to go, what is a microphone? I don't, I don't know what that is. He's telling me that's a microphone. Until I explain what this thing does to you, if you've never seen one before, you have no idea what I'm doing, why this thing's covering my face. That is the same concept as the conceptual reality. And this is why we say in the show that we were working on, that we did, is your reality getting in your way? Yes, 100%. That's why I say the truths we cling to, quoting... Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi when he was after he was dead, the truths we cling to are directly related to a certain point of view. Okay. And that is the truth of all aspects of our lives. Our truths that we cling to are completely comprised of all of our experiences and the knowledge that we've gained from these experiences based on our perception of each experience. Do you see? That is why we all have a separate interpretation of the same experience. Because everything we base it on is our own experiences and the way we perceive them ourselves. And that changes second by second, day by day. However, the overlying or underlying, in the a Western philosophical way of saying things, ideology, the underlying ideology or the underlying uh, lessons are still the same. How you get to the answer is completely up to yourself. You will get to the same answer, give or take a conceptual realization names, for instance, and what you call a deity, what you call a, a creative figure, what, who you see as a god or goddess or, or the universe itself. That is completely subjective or in a sense, not in the sense of the subjectiveness of the soul. That is completely up to you and your interpretation and what you want to believe, whatever works for you. To not believe in anything is a conceptual ideology of spirituality. Do you see? So none of it, so there is no right and wrong. This is what we covered today. 
So there is no right and wrong. So there is no right way or wrong way to ascend. There is only ascension. Okay. So there is only the spirit, the mind, the body, the complex. There is only the oneness. That is what the law of one is teaching. Living the law of one is the conceptualization and realization that there is one true creator, that we are all part of that one true creator. We are all the creation. And that our journey is individual to ourselves in what we must go through. We sat down, not some guy sitting on a throne with a big long beard, that we sat down for ourselves, but it has been. In, uh, intercepted on a physical level and spiritual level, and it has been distorted so that you don't see the door or the key and on how to ascend. So that you only get to a certain place and then you recycle to where your mind is wiped again. And before you can can actually find the, the true path out of here to be upright and to be centered and focused and to hit that zero point within and do that work, the shadow work and the, the work of the higher work above, just like Ra talked about in, in the energy that is coming from the universe itself to you and your energy ascending to meet that energy. Jesus said that I will meet you halfway, but you have to rise up. Do you see? So you have to do the work inside yourself internally to then get yourself spiritually to a place where you're rising up and then the energy from the universe comes down and meets you halfway. God helps those who helps themselves. Do you see? So those are all the concepts of what I'm saying. These are all the places in the Bible where that was stated to you and it met that concept. So you have to do the shadow work. You have to look within yourself and realize yourself and do that work and fix that self physically, mentally, and spiritually to be aligned, zero point, to then be able to go into the center of yourself and at the same time move outward away from the center of yourself. And that is the three, the six, and the nine energy that is going outward and inward at the same time. Do you see that? Do you, do you get that? And then you can then ascend. Because you're capable of ascending, and that which is your energy balancing that kundalini, the male and the female, the masculine and the feminine, the hate, the war, the love, and the compassion, in one, you become oneness. Me and the force are one. The force is with me. The, me and the force is, I am one with the force. The force is in me. These are what you heard in, in Star Wars throughout. It is the same concept being taught you in a different way. And then you can then ascend. And what is that? That's the ascension is me rising up to meet halfway that which is coming down to help me ascend the rest of the way. But they won't come down and grab you because you have to learn to stand up on your own, right yourself, and then become. Do you see? That's what all this is about. That's what your job here is to do. And in the meantime, help other people and help this place become a better place. That's what we're here to do. This is a, a house that was created by the creator for all of us to make it a home. You don't make a home with late, with hate. You don't make a home with, with evil and dissent and control and, and, and uh, you know, raping and pillaging and murdering and controlling and destroying. That's not making a home. 
in any way. That's all destruction. That's all evil. A home is a place where there is love, compassion, understanding, right? Wisdom, right? All of those things that are positive, not negative. That's what a home is. That's what you consider when you're a kid. Oh, I love that place though. when I was home, when I was a kid and everything was perfect. I wish I could be that again. The reason that you feel that when you're a child and then it's taken from you in every way possible is so that you remember what that love means. To be in that place, to be that protected, to be that loved, to be with no danger, and nothing lurking under your bed. Because that's what you're trying to strive to as an adult. Is to achieve that innocence of that child before that child was corrupted and, and damaged by this reality. It's truth. And in doing so, the only way you can do that is to is is to understand, to understand, to realize what it means to live, to be mortal, to die, to be beaten. I'm the man in the box. I'm the dog that gets beat. You have to become that. Or at least conceptualize it by seeing it around you and then getting the lesson. So you don't have to become a murderer, but if you see people be murdered by a murderer, you can get that lesson of that murderer without having to actually do it. If you get what has happened to those two people, to the murderer for murdering and the person who was murdered, the same thing with rape, the same thing with pillaging, the same thing with everything negative. You don't actually have to do all of that. So if you don't think in your life, well, I don't believe I've murdered. Well, it's not just one lifetime. That's the thing, guys. So if you were going to be on that path to be a murderer, you'd already be doing it if you're over the age of 10. <laughs> okay. So if you were going to be, uh, you know, evil, you'd already be on that path. You know where you are inside. You have to admit that to yourself. And then you have to realize to yourself, is that what I like? Because some of us come through not realizing that what we're doing is wrong. And, and we're just sort of on the cusp of doing, being narcissistic and being about ourselves. And then you go, well, I don't, I don't want to be evil, but I, li I like, I love loving myself. Well, you're going to have to get over yourself unless you want to stay that way. You can. You can stay that way for the rest of eternity if you want, but you'll never go anywhere than where you are right now. No matter how many lifetimes you spend, as long as you are the way you are. That's why you, when you look at Hollywood, that's why they show those people. Those people are narcissistic. Those people are about themselves. They're in love with themselves. They have an ego that is the size of China. Okay? And they're rewarded for it. Why? Because the devil was unleashed on the earth for a time. Okay? Evil is rewarded on this planet because it's supposed to. Because there is only 8% of the people that are evil. And to be evil, you have to be 95% evil to graduate. And you only have to be 51% good to graduate. So there's the perception to make up for the small amount. There's the perception that it is larger than it really is. And that's one of the realizations, one of the learn, teach, teach learnings that you realize is that they are only this much and they're only that big, but they appear to be as strong and as powerful as we are. They have to. 
Otherwise, you wouldn't be afraid of them. You wouldn't be afraid of evil. You wouldn't be afraid of a murderer. You wouldn't be afraid of gangbangers. You wouldn't be afraid of rapists. You wouldn't be afraid of people who steal your food and beat you to death or treat you like shit and, and choke you out or, or beat you or make you a slave and put you in chains. You wouldn't be afraid of them if you saw them for what they truly were. Once you do, you never fear them anymore. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. When that realization is true in your heart, you never fear. People say to me, aren't you worried that they're going to come and take your life or they're going to come and and the men in black are going to show up and threaten you? I fear them not. There's no reason for me to fear them because they have no power over me except that which God has decided that they should have. So if somebody comes and murders Leo, it is because my time was ended and that was the way that I chose to have my end. It's nothing to do with them, except for they're the catalyst to make that happen because I chose it, not them. So when people say, why did God let my child get killed by that guy on a stray bullet? Your child came through to die in that moment and chose that. But you're not supposed to realize that until you've realized the loss of losing someone that way. Once you've gotten past those losses and learned those lessons, that's when you say this horrible, hideous shit like I do when someone says, my child was murdered by some dude who was in a drive-by and they were just standing around and she was four and she got a bullet to the head. I know that she came through for that to happen so that you, because you both signed on for this, so that you could have that experience and, and have that hurt happen to your heart. But I can't tell you that when you're going through it because you will hate me for being honest and telling you the truth hate me and call me a liar and the devil, and I will become everything that is personified as your hatred because I'm telling you the truth now. Do you see? So there's certain things that we won't tell you when it's happening because the truth hurts. And that's when people say the truth hurts, doesn't it? When when you're too honest with people in situations and they're not ready to know that fact, they will hate you for saying it. That's why we don't. Unless we're not enlightened enough to realize, shut the fuck up. (laughs) This person doesn't need you telling them that here. They're going through it now. They don't need you to tell them this is a lesson that they're going through. That's why your, your clergy won't do that either. They'll say, you know, in a time like this, what you need to do is pray. Or They try to find some other way to soothe you. Most of the time, I would say to you, if you were going through something like that, there are no words that I can say to you that are going to make you feel better because of what you're going through. Because it's just not. Everyone's going to try. And all of that is going to fall on deaf ears. You're going to go, yeah, whatever, thanks. And even me saying that to you, you're going to go, yeah, whatever, thanks. And then you might despise me later on and go, and you know what he said to me? He said there are no words, so he didn't even offer any. That means that the lesson, because I was stupid enough to say that to you, is another lesson that you're learning. And that lesson you're not ready to know yet. And so you're pissed off because I was still too honest with you. So that's why when people say, if your friend was 
being cheated on by someone else, should you tell that person? I'm like, I, you know what? I don't want to get involved because the second you do, you become the bad guy. You tell someone, listen, I saw so-and-so and they were stepping out on you and I'm just trying to help. You have a 50-50 shot of being being told to shut the fuck up. You're lying. Okay? And then if the person believes you, as soon as they tell the person that you told on them, now that other person who was a friend of yours hates your guts for turning on them. So either way, you're fucked in that respect. So you have to, at that point, make the decision. I'm going to be probably have them both angry with me. Right. By telling them this. So is it worth it to me? And then when you are in a place where you don't care because you care more about those two and the lesson that they're going to learn from that, then you'll go, you know what? I need to tell that person because it would be wrong of me to not. And if this person finds out I knew the entire time, it'll be worse now than if they don't believe me now and they never speak to me now again. So you might lose friends and relatives by being brutally honest and saying, your brother is screwing around on you, or your wife is screwing around on you, or your husband is screwing around on you. Your brother screwed your wife. I saw them. They may never speak to you again, but they may be better people for it because of you telling them that. So that's where the honesty, when people know me, they know that I am honest, brutally honest. Don't ask me a question you don't want to know the answer to. Because if I can answer it, do you think my boyfriend's cheating on you? Yeah, he is. Why didn't you tell me that before now? Now they're mad at me. What do you mean? You know that he was cheating on me and didn't tell me? See? So now they're mad at you. Why did you tell me now and didn't tell me before? They don't care that the person is cheating on them. They're mad at you now for not telling them before now. So then if you go up to them before now and say, I, I saw this guy and he's doing this to you, you're a liar. They may, they may trust you and believe that, and that's okay. That could happen too if they're ready, right? And that's usually because they've already been thinking it and they're ready to go, yeah, I just need to have somebody else agree with me. Am I fucking tripping or is that person? And it's not just that. It's with everything, right? That's why I don't do love. Uh, I'm a medium. I don't do love when people say to me, uh, you know, am I going to marry this guy? Like, you already know the answer to that. Why are you asking me that question? You already know the answer to that. I met this guy and I'm wondering if I should marry him. You know the answer to that question. Stop being a child. Be an adult. Stand up and answer the question yourself. You already know it. The fact that you're questioning that is either because you want someone to tell you that it's okay or you want someone to tell you that it's okay not to. Either way, you're looking for someone else to make a decision for you because you already know the answer. You just don't want to admit it to yourself. That's how brutal I am. So I tell people, don't ask me a love question because I'm not going to give you the answer you want to hear. I'm going to give you the answer that's out there in the universe. I had a guy say to me, okay, he was trying to trick me, right? It was funny. He says, so what do you see in my future? And I'm like, I actually see two women that you're actually dating now, and this is what they look like. And I see that you have a possible future with both of them, and I can tell you how many children that you'll have with both of them. He was like, what, what, wait a minute, what? And so I went down that road, and he was like, well, then who do I, who do I get with? I'm like, that's your decision. Like, I'm being brutally honest. I could, I could shape you and lie to you and say, take the blonde chick because you'll be happier, right? Because in the short term, you're going to be happier with the blonde chick than you are with the brunette, with the brown eyes, the one that's only five foot two. That's what I told him. The blonde chick who's five nine, you're going to be happier with in the short run. In the long run, you might be happier with the other one. But it all is going to be determined by you and what you're looking for. So I can tell you, you have choices. And there's others that are out there that are on the fringes that you haven't even met yet. 
that is the way the future is. This is why Yoda said the future is not set and when the future is always emotions. When people are trying to tell you the future uh, as a medium, you'll see that there's a generalization about the things that they're teaching you, right? They're not giving you all the, you know, don't get on that flight because you're going to die if you do. But they're not going to mention to the rest of the people in the world that are going to be on that flight right now and warn them. Do you see? Don't get on flight 107 going to Cleveland out of O'Hare at 7.30 in the morning because that flight's going to crash. They won't say that out loud because if someone gets wind of that and you didn't try to warn people, then you're in trouble. But as a psychic, if you try to warn people, then you're in trouble because they think you had something to do with it. Because otherwise you couldn't possibly know it. Like 9-11. I knew 9-11 was going to happen and I told people that I knew that 9-11 was going to happen. But no, I couldn't tell the FBI that. Because then the FBI would say, well, then what did you know? And when did you know it? And they would investigate me as if I were the one who planned it. That's the problem that psychics have. That's the macrocosm to the microcosm. It's the same thing as telling your, your brother that his wife's cheating on him. Do you see? So those are the, the answers that we have to ask ourselves uh, about things that we have to do. That, again, is the microcosm to the macrocosm that you're supposed to learn here. When to interfere, when to say what, and what you can and can't say to people is directly determined by the laws of the universe itself. And that's what the laws of one are about, are telling you what those laws are and what the laws are governing us and what it is that is our job to do here. Do you see? So that's why you have people, and he even said that, people who are living the law of one. And I told you about Jacqueline Taylor, the, uh, the friend of mine who is teaching living the law of one. And she's gotten me really more into that, uh, to going down that road and teaching people not just. That's why I'm doing the revision of the law of one, not just because there's information there that I gleaned now that I didn't the first time, but because I didn't explain to everyone that the, that the teaching of the law of one is teaching the living the law of one. And it's, and it's not because I'm trying to teach you a religion. That's the whole purpose of the law of one is that it's not a religion. It is the realization of reality. That's all that is. So living the law of one is not teaching you some new kind of religion. It's not teaching you a new kind of spirituality. It's teaching you all that is spiritual already and teaching you and reminding you of all of this that you already know, but it's been taken from you, not just with the veiling, but with the external veiling and usurpation taking over of the matrix that is this fake reality. And a fake reality put in front of the things that you're supposed to see. Each road sign that was supposed to be there to tell you you were still on, on the highway on the right highway, and here's the exit you're supposed to take if you're going this way, and the exit you're supposed to take if you're going that way is covered up so that you don't know that. You stay just on that highway, and that highway has you going in circles over and over and over and over and over and never getting anywhere. That is the parable of what's going on in the reality of this matrix that you're living. That is why I am here, and many billion souls have come here to help, is because you who are indigenous to this place, got stuck here. And we are stuck here with you because we came here legally. That means we are born in this body the same way you were, 
that even though I came from a higher plane, I descended in my vibratory pattern to fit here, only we don't do it all the way. That's why those of us that are wanderers who are here have physical problems and have uh, issues with our bodies that are uh, all of these autoimmune problems that we have that they don't know about. You have an autoimmune problem that only one in eight million people have, one in 20 million people. The reason you have that is because you, one in 20 million people, are the same. And you probably came from the same vibratory level and you came here doing the same thing, but you were born in different places at different times on this planet because you're in different developmental stages as well. And you're supposed to be at different ages because if I'm talking to people right now and I'm talking to people who are 10, 12 and 13 and 15 and 20, they're not going to listen to this old guy with gray hair. Not at all. When I was 20, they would listen to me. But now that I'm, I'm 54, they're not listening to me. I'm grandpa. Listen to what grandpa's saying. <laughs> grandpa's tripping. Okay. But people who are 40 and above, they're going to listen to me because I'm closer to their age. Do you see? That's why my demographic, I just picked up the 35 to, to 45-year-olds. I don't have very many people that are 17 or 18 to 24. There's some. Those are wise souls that came through that are wanderers or walk-ins that are, that are waking up at that age anyways. That's why they're relating to me when I speak and they're going, wow, this guy's blowing my fucking mind because they're ready to hear what I have to say. And other people just like me that are speaking in different places on television or on the Internet or other podcasts are also going to catch their attention, just like you guys. Do you see? not the only one telling this story. I'm one in probably 4 billion or 5 billion, probably more like 4 billion, that are telling you the same thing nowadays. Uh, 10,000 years ago, there was like one at a time, maybe two or three on the planet that would be doing this, that got any acclaim. And then you have those people that never got any credit for what they've ever done or what they ever said that were very wise. And they said things just like I'm saying to people and people listened to them and said, wow, that guy that that, you know, that uh, that conversation I had with the guy who was driving me in the cab was the most enlightening thing I've ever heard in my life. Enlightened me. It was wow. That was enlightening. Wow. That was illuminating. Right. One of the best conversations I ever had in my life. I was in, in my early 20s and I was taking a cab from work and it took about 25, almost 30 minutes to get from where I was uh, at work to home. I didn't feel like taking the bus that night. So obviously I was supposed to have a conversation with that guy. And he was this old retired guy that was about 10 years older than I am now. And that man was the most woke human being I have ever been in physical uh, closeness with. I was he's in the front seat. I was in the back seat of the same car and had a conversation. And when I was done, I was a better human being for the conversation I had with that man. Never saw him again nor spoke to him again in my entire life. But he was there for that one moment and made a difference in my life that 30 years later, I'm still talking about him. That's the kind of difference that conversation meant in my life. 30 years later, I'm still talking about the conversation. The man's been dead, I'm sure. For 20, probably. Okay. Those people are one in a million. With a B, one in a billion. Do you see? But he was here, I'm sure, as a wanderer, 
to be positive and have a positive influence on everyone around him and everyone that he came in contact with. And that's the way he chose to do it. And it worked. However, um, other many millions of people in his lifetime that he had an effect on is unfathomable to me. Do you see? That's why I'm doing this. There's two of you in the audience right now. Most people would be like, there's nobody listening to me. I'm not going to, their ego would have them convinced that it's time to give it up. There's only two people talking to you. Those people who still do this when one or two of you are here, those are the ones that will say out loud, if only one person hears what I have to say ever, I've done my job because I've replaced myself to go on in the future. And that person will replace themselves. So if only one person hears me, and is moved by me. I've done my job. If I have two people, then I then I have it's a bonus. So if I have three or four or seven or ten in my entire lifetime, whatever the number is, if it's more than one, I have done my job on this planet, and I will make a permanent difference that will reverberate out away from me for the rest of time, and it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on away from me in the future. That is why we do this. That is the sacrifice that we make and that some of you out there will make in some way. And it doesn't matter if it's a small thing or a large thing. If you're here and you know who you are and you know that you're motivated and that you have to do something and you don't know what it is or you kind of have an idea, however small that idea is, even if it is, I am just going to be the most positive being that I can be, and I'm not going to have to be worried about talking or writing a book or being a star of a movie. Or You don't have to. You don't have to. You can just smile at everyone you see, and when you die, they'll say that was the most positive person I have ever met in my life, and they would give you the shirt off their back. To have someone tell that after you've died, you've done your job. If one person says, that person was one of the greatest person I ever knew, that person was a great person, that person did had nothing bad to say, that person would always help you, that person would. If they say one thing positive about you after your death in remembrance to other people, what you did made an effect on them and it is now passing that positivity on to other people who may not remember that story ever being told to them but they'll remember the experience and the idea and concept of what was told to them. And that will change the way they perceive everything for the rest of their existence. Small things. It's the Druid way. A small nudge now, right, changes the course of everyone that it reverbs and touches out for the rest of time. If I want a ship to go 100 miles off course, if I need them to go 100 miles off course right now, that's going to be hard. But if I need them to go 100 miles off course 1,000 miles from now, I can nudge them to go a half a degree off course right now. And if they continue uh, at a half a degree off course, constantly they're going to be for a whole degree, then a half a degree more than a whole degree, then two degrees, then three degrees, then four degrees. And eventually they'll be 100 degrees off course. Do you see? That is the Druid way. That is making one small thing here. That's why you see the three lines going out into infinity. That is the Druid way. That is why the infinity symbol is closed. 
because it keeps going perpetually forever. That's why the figure eight. So when you realize the concept of the universe itself and you get infinite wisdom, what is infinite wisdom? It is infinite. It means forever. It doesn't mean there's something infinite that is only this far and it's finite, but it's an infinite. If you home in long enough, then it's infinite in that little teeny space. That is infinite. There is no difference. There is no infinity that has a beginning and a middle and an end and is only this long. It is either infinity by its very nature means unending forever, right? There's people out there that are that are believing this this whole thing, and they're like, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, fractals. When you get zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, what you don't realize is that you you're zooming in. And you're making something that is really, really far away from you really close. That doesn't mean that when you back away from it, that that infinity is only that big. And that it's different than the infinity that is in, in the reality you're in currently. They're exactly the same. There is no difference. There is only one infinity. There is only one all. Okay? And to believe that something, well, there's an infinity that's this big. And then there's a separate infinity that's bigger. And it's this big. No, no, no. That's your perception of that infinity when you make yourself small enough to fit into that infinity the same uh, the distance or the same place and size that you are in this infinity that infinity is this infinity there is no difference it is the same okay and people get stuck uh, and and people also get stuck and this is where i was going to go and i and i've been told that i can go down this road now so for those two of you that are still here you get this some people are stuck in the realization that the churches are all fake. And the, the question, I was going to go down this, but a different way and give you information that I, I now have. Remember I told you I was thinking about it, for those of you who are just here before, I was trying to find a way that I can give you this information without giving you the other information that I couldn't give you, but I still wanted to work you up to that. So there is a time and a place in your existence when you will learn uh, that all of the religions are corrupted and all of the religions are are wrong, uh, and that spirituality you can get stuck and say and ponder the question, what? Because you start learning about ego. What if? And this is what you will start to believe. And there are many people on this planet who currently believe this, and they're stuck there. And it takes a while for for you to get past that. So I'm trying to give you the tools so that when you do hit that knowledgeable place. Then you can go, I wonder if what Leo was saying was true or if he's just an idiot. There are people that believe that the afterlife is a construct of ego. And that there is no afterlife, therefore there is no God or gods, therefore there is no heaven, therefore there is nothing other than this life. Because the ego has in its panic for you to not ascend, has having you believe in a fictitious place that the ego constructed for you, okay? That is the ego trying to keep you from getting above the vibration where the ego cannot contact you anymore and keep you in this place. By saying to you, there is nothing past this, the ego is made up a construct only so that you would think that there is something there but there really isn't anything there. And when you die, it's all over. And look, there is no proof anywhere of any of that existence being there. Even though the information, it's the same thing as aliens don't aren't real. 
If they are, show me the proof. The proof is there for you to believe. That's why they say the truth is out there. It's there for you to see. You just have to see it. Those who have the eyes to see can see it. Those who have the mind to, to see it. Those who have the ears, let them hear it. Those who have the eyes, let them see it. Everything is esoteric because you have a choice. Do you see? So your perception, this goes back on what I was saying. This is why I kept going down that road. Your perception of your reality will dictate to you how much of your reality you think is real and how much of it you think is not real. And the realization as your vibratory pattern gets higher and higher and higher becomes that this reality is less and less real and less and less important. Your ego can't have you do that. So it creates doubt always in everything. That's why I say that the Internet is an ego. <clears throat> Google is, is an ego. It's an, it is an external ego. When you look up Google, no matter what you look up, it's going to tell you negative shit about whatever positive thing you're trying to find on the Internet. Because it's doing the job of another ego. By you saying, well, is Jesus real and can I go to heaven if I follow Jesus? Well, there is no definitive proof that Jesus was actually a real person. That's the ego. I'm the man in the box sitting in my shit. Right? Then he, then he says, in the song, he says, Jesus Christ. He's crying out to Jesus now. And then the backup singers, which is the band, says, deny your maker, because the ego is telling you to deny Jesus as your maker. And that's what's happening in the song, and it was written that way on purpose. So he's crying out for help to Jesus with everything he has, and that's why it's so passionate. Jesus Christ, deny your maker. You know, then it's then it's uh, 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 it's, it's talking about his eyes, right? And he's saying, uh, 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 "With my eyes, please sew them shut. Deny your Maker." He says it again. Can you sew them shut? The ego says. Okay, and then at the end, when this this ominous character wearing a hood is walking back and forth, you're not sure if that's the angel of death coming to get him or what, until you realize he's in a brown robe, not a black one. And then at the end, he pulls back his cloak, and you see that it is, in fact, Jesus Christ, and his eyes are sewn shut. Because Jesus had to sew his own eyes shut. And that is the whole ideology of that song, is not to defy your maker. It is not fuck God and fuck Jesus. People on a very low vibration think that's what that means. The song is the dark night of the soul being stuck. He's stuck inside of a, of a prison. He's behind bars. I'm the man in the box, the box of the four walls of the prison, sitting in my shit. But in, this, in the version that's not live, he says, sitting in my spit. But you see, he's sitting in his shit, his stuff. He is stuck by his own stuff. He is in the box that he has put himself in. That is what you are proverbially done here. Okay? And the ascension is the realization that the way to heaven is through Jesus in that story. The way to heaven is through the Savior. It doesn't have to necessarily mean Jesus. It can be any Savior character that you have in whatever religion that you follow. Because they're all the same. They're all the same. It's just a different name for the same character. Thor, if you're a Viking and you're into Bohemianism, Thor is the Jesus character. 
Marduk, if you go back far enough to the Mesopotamian uh, creation story. And anyone in between, David was that character, Elijah was that character, Moses was that character, Mohammed was that character, same character. Horus, same character. Zeus, same character. Okay, the story of Zeus's birth, of his father trying to kill him. Same story of, of, uh, of the Exodus with Ramses II trying to kill the firstborn son of Israel and having all the firstborn sons of, of Egypt die. Okay, that is the same thing as trying to kill Jesus when they ordered the same thing. All the uh, all of the Hebrews had to get together and be counted, and all the firstborn children, the firstborn sons, had to be killed because the prophet that there would be the one who would destroy the king. Okay, same thing. If you watch the movie uh, um, uh, The Chronicles of Riddick. Not the first one, which was uh, pitch black, but the second one was called the Chronicles of Riddick. His character was foretold to be the one who was going to kill the evil king. So they wanted to kill all of the Furians because a Furian would be his demise. And it turned out that Riddick was that Furian. Riddick became the savior character of the human race. He became the hero and the savior character because he was one of the baddest motherfuckers in the universe. He was, in fact, a Furian. And he eventually killed that guy. Okay? So the prophecy was then came to fruition. Same thing with, with Neo in the Matrix. Same story. Do you see? The hero with a thousand faces. Joseph Campbell wrote a book about it. And he points that out in history where the hero, that's why he said the hero of a thousand faces. But it's all the same storyline in throughout all of mythology throughout all of time. It's all the same story. He understood that. Okay. I'm going to go because now it's almost 7 p.m. I got to go. I love you guys. Um, so that was what I was trying to get across. There was more to that, but I can't tell you that part. That part would break the rules of you of, of you guys out there. Uh, I'd be telling you something that is illegal because it's something you have to learn on your own. So, But I can tell you all the way up to right there. Okay. So, And I've done it before. But people get stuck in that place and they say that all of religion is a lie and there is no gods and that there is nothing uh and it's all a construct of the ego and that's the ego being in charge of of you and making you believe there is nothing outside of the ego and that you will never get outside of that place and that is the lie that the ego is telling you that is the devil on your left shoulder keeping you in a low vibration. No matter how wise you think you are, and you may know, there's a guy that was, someone gave me and said, look at this psycho, he's teaching that. And I read his teachings, and he's quoting all the other stuff, including the shadow work and all of this. But his one thing is, there is all religions are a lie, and that there is no God, and there is no afterlife, uh, because he's hit that plateau. And there's a reason for it. The place in which he lives, it's illegal. His, his religion uh, in that place is not Christianity or Hebrew or the Hebrew religion. It is, in fact, the Muslim religion. And it is illegal in that country to say anything uh, uh, wrong about the religion. To, to say that religion in any way is, is flawed is punishable by, by five to, to life in prison. And so because of that, he says the only reason that a religion would have that is because they're false. 
Otherwise, they would give you the freedom of, uh, of choice that you're supposed to have. Therefore, religion is a lie and gods are a lie. And it's a construct of the ego. And he, so he got himself stuck in that because of the, uh, the lessons that he's supposed to learn in the, in the uh, place that he's, that he's living. And there's lessons for him to learn that will help him expand past that. And so when uh, the person gave them to me, I said, he's got enough troubles because he's about to go to jail for doing exactly that and questioning the religion. So he's on trial to actually go to jail for that and questioning the religion. That's one of the things where you're supposed to learn when to shut up and not say those things and leave that place. So he's living in a place where it's not illegal. And then you can bash that religion. Do you see? Go to a place where you have freedom of saying that and then tell the same people back at home what you want to tell them. But when you tell them that when you're there, you're either trying to make yourself a martyr by hoping that you go to jail and people follow you. In which case, if you're looking for acolytes and followers, you're in service to self, not service to others. And you're trying to get people to be your followers because you want to be in charge of them, which means you have a purpose that is you wanting everybody to worship you. Because anybody who truly is in service to others, they don't want. I'm not here trying to get people to worship me. If I was, I wouldn't be talking about what I'm talking about and sitting here with only two people fucking listening to me. I'd be tricking your guys' ass and mind fucking you guys so bad that you all would be having sex with me and having my children. And following me like a harem. And then you have a few guys to follow me so that I can, don't have to worry about defending myself against all the men that are going to be pissed off of your husbands and boyfriends and all of that when I'm screwing you. Okay, that's someone who's in service to themselves. Someone who's having sex with, with members of their cult is in service to self, not others. Well, we have to propagate our cult, so everybody has to have my children. Because I'm God. If I start telling you that I'm God and that you should worship me and that you should follow me because I'm Jesus, it's time to, to fucking change the channel. And anyone who does that in any way and tries to say that they are, in fact, somebody so important that you should be following them, turn them the fuck off. Because they're the ones that are lying and they're in service to self. Okay, If you're in service to others, you do this because it's the right thing to fucking do. Otherwise, why would I be talking to only two of you? <laughs> Fuck. That's a waste of my time. I could talk to you guys personally on fucking Messenger and not be broadcasting to the world. Do you see my point? But I'm broadcasting this to the world and will after this. And it'll be out there for anybody to listen to. Why? Because it's the right thing, and the knowledge that I'm giving you is the correct knowledge that everyone needs to remember. Not because I own something you don't have. I just remember what it is that you don't remember yet. And there's tons of people above me that can't wait for me to remember what it is that they know that I've already forgotten or I've still forgotten. We're only on the third run from the bottom, people. So there's more people above you and me than there are below us. So if you look at me and think, wow, that man is smart, you should look at the people above me and see how stupid I am compared to them. Okay, because that's the truth. Look at Jesus and how wise Jesus is. Jesus has gone to the eighth dimension. I'm still here in the third with you guys. Okay, so that's a realization in and of itself. To be humble enough to do what I do, not because I want to get rich at it. I lose thousands of dollars a year, tens of thousands of dollars a year I pay just for two of you to hear what I have to fucking say. I'm not kidding you. Okay? Why is that that I do that? That's something for you to ponder your, your as well if you don't if you don't actually get why that is, ponder that. I just told you the answer because it's the right thing to do to give this message out to the universe, to give it out to the ether for everyone ever 
however long this stays out there for people to find on however many channels I'm on right now. 60 countries have listened to this podcast. That means it's available in 60 countries for people to pick up whenever they find it. And rising. That's why the name Orion Rising. All right, guys. I love you guys. Have a great night. I will see you guys next week uh, on at least on Wednesday and possibly on Thursday of next week on uh, Ariel show Wednesday on skull Island Thursday on Ariel show and back here on Friday to do the law of one. Uh, And why do I do this? Because it's the right thing to do. I love you guys. Show this out, show this out, show this out. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. Have a great night. Namaste. Reese said, Namaste. Namaste. I forgot to add that, didn't I, Reese? Namaste.